0: Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon Talk! Hoots Hoots magoots. happening? Hoots McGoots! Hoots. Hoot, 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 hoot. I am Greg Tito, and Shelly is Hoots Magoots.
1: President of Well, Vice President of Hoots Fan Club.
0: Vice President of the Hoots Fan Club. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, but right. it has been taken over by Hoots Magoots Fan Club. Hoots. We are excited for Dungeon Mayhem Monster Madness.
1: Yes, on shelves now. On
0: my shelf right now. On actually. It's, it's on my game table. It's it's opened actually up on my in the middle of a play. <laughs> it's getting all of the water damage from the <laughs> windows it's yeah.
1: inside.
0: It's a good thing it's the best design box ever. And it's it sure watertight.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. Not promised.
0: Six different new character decks with six monsters. We got Lord Cinderpuff, Mimi Lechaise. Hoots Magoots, Blorp, Doctor Tentaculus, and the Death Deathray. You named them all. I named them all. I finally memorized well done. it. They are so it's fun. fun They're evocative uh, artwork by Cam Kendall. Just blows. Yep. He's up.
1: amazing. It's
0: very good. Yeah. Um, so check that out. That's our that's our headline and for hey, today.
1: Storage storage solution for all twelve Dungeon Mayhem decks that exist.
0: That's the subhead. So
1: get that box and fill it. With your mayhem. Put all your mayhem in one box.
0: Put all of your monster madness and your mayhem in one dungeon that is also a box. Yes. I love it. Love it. Uh, I've been having lots of fun. People are flipping out on the interwebs about not only the cool character art, not only the character decks, but mostly the box.
1: The, they love the box. <laughs> it's a really good it's box. It's a very good box.
0: In, 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 a, in a you know card game, uh, board game environment that doesn't always have a well-designed right. box to put stuff in. Right. Yeah. Our engineering team knocked it out of the park. They really did. Yeah. yeah,
1: And it looks like a Rolodex of monsters.
0: Shout out to Trish Yoakum for putting together all of the uh, outward-facing packaging, right? Yes. Make it happen. She has
1: made Dungeon Mayhem beautiful from the very beginning.
0: Beautiful. Um, We are excited to talk to Giancarlo Volpe today.
1: Yeah, we are.
0: Uh, He is a a creator making all types of animation uh, that you have most likely... I'm going to say 100% of you have at least heard of something that he has done, uh, including Avatar The Last Airbender, Star Wars, Clone Wars. That's amazing. Uh, Green Lantern, uh, The Dragon Prince on Netflix, which is a very D&D-inspired show. So he's been playing for years. Can't wait to get into him and talk all about it, and uh, that's coming up in a little bit. I can't
1: wait. And he's going to be here in person. I know. It's always good that. to have
0: an in-person interview. Yep. So thanks, Carlo, for coming up to uh, Sunny Seattle. Yeah. It is a little bit sunnier on the last that's few sweet. days. It's been great. It smells like spring when it we walk does. outside. It does. We have. I noticed that uh, a new house in Seattle, and one of the fun things has been like, oh look, there's flowers planted oh, there. Yeah, you don't. You I have, have no, no idea, idea mm.
1: what's going to happen to your house.
0: Exactly. And all of a sudden, I'm like, those leaves are not weeds. Those look like the They're beginnings blooming. Of, of blooming things Aww. happening. Yeah,
1: that's really sweet. Getting
0: very excited Did about you it. Paint
1: your door yet?
0: Not yet, but we have picked out the uh, perfect orange. Love it. To make it happen. Good. Yeah. Always got to paint that door. That's how you make it yours.
1: Yeah. That's your (laughs) stamp. I approve. I approve.
0: Um, speaking of a stamp and making it yours, yes. you can make your Eberron campaign yours with the Beedle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse Gold Edition, My goodness, uh, which is being shipped to folks right now. It is fantastic. It has so many little bits and bobs and pieces of artwork that bring stamps. the Eberron setting to life.
1: Can you tell us what's in the box? I do we know? I I I want,
0: I, mean, it's like I a want secret. people to discover go to okay. uh, and Beatlegram. I feel like
1: that's kind of true. Like you I don't want to know.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't want to give away I mean, things I do, if people but are as going a, to be yeah. using it for uh I mean there's not as much story in here. It's more about like settings and stuff, so it's all about the artwork and bringing that for Yeah. Me. But, but I don't know. I'll show it off soon.
1: Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Let it. people we'll, Experience it.
0: Experience it first. Can, exactly. it, can people still get it? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. I'm not 100% on that. Because um, I
1: know they sell out
0: quickly. They do indeed. But they're super cool and people should get excited about it. Um, there's also a really cool thing happening with Baldur's Gate 3.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: as we were recording this, they are at PAX East uh, Larian Studios and they debuted the opening cinematic to the video game that many people have been waiting for for two decades Right, long, long long time. But I think Baldur's Gate, the first game, came out in 1999. So, whoo boy. The cinematic was fantastic. I hope you have seen it. Go check out uh, the Larian Studios YouTube uh, page, as well as our friends at IGN. uh, John Borba read a really great article that has the trailer embedded in it, so check that out. It's a fantastic visual representation of what's happening in Baldur's Gate. (laughs) <laughs> uh, a lot of mind flayers, a lot of nautiloids, a lot of battles uh, happening above the city. It looks so cool. But those of you who are playing through Baldur's Gate uh, Descent into Averney, so you can use it as visual reference for what's happening. Oh, yeah. Right? I just saw my friend uh, Jennifer Kretchmer said that uh, she showed them the trailer in the middle of their Baldur's Gate game. And <gasps> she said, like, the eyes just everybody just what had a, a great
1: a, idea, a wonderful
0: reference about uh, what the city was like.
1: Yeah. It'll pump you
0: up. It'll pump you up, fo Yay. show. Uh, more information about that video game as it is coming out. But I think uh, they have done their, they have, they've completed their quest to get people excited about that game. It's happening. Well done. Nailed it with a twenty. Boom shakalaka. Big time. Big time. Big time. <laughs> that was a double crit. This is the year of the double crits. It is making it happen. Yep. You also announced something really cool. Yes, I did. Very recently, since the last time. Not my voice. No. Would you like to announce it now? Yes, Shelley, go for it. Coming
1: in May, betrayal at Mystery Mansion.
0: Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo in a betrayal game. Scooby Doo in a betrayal game. You still have the tiles. You still explore a mansion. Yes, you can play as all the characters from the Scooby Doo cartoon. Scooby Doo
1: cartoon. They are exploring mystery mansion and the grounds around it. Mm-hmm. But this is a game for the younger audience, or even fans of Scooby Doo, obviously, but also fans that are getting into betrayal. This is a great entry point because there have been some streamlined rules mm-hmm. to make it easier for new players. I love it. And it's
0: fabulous. Kids like it.
1: And the art is beautiful. It's all Scooby Art. Scooby Doo. Scooby
0: He approves. He, he says he rut says, Row. No, wait, he doesn't say that. He, he says he, Zoinks. Wait, no, he doesn't say No,
1: only Shaggy says
0: Zoinks. Jinkies. That's
1: only Daphne. <laughs> Belma, I mean, not Daphne. I learned a lot.
0: Uh, you, were like, you were like, you were embedded in the, the yes. uh, Scooby Doo uh, fandom. Yes,
1: yes. But I think that the Mystery Inc. gang would approve. Oh,
0: good for them! Yeah. Is there a, a a mystery machine in yes. the game? <gasps> There's a tile. It's really, on the
1: starting tiles. Is it really? Yes.
0: You start on the mystery machine. Yes. Nice. Uh, that's amazing. You know, have you ever seen the mystery machine that's in West Seattle? I have. <laughs> yes, is, I have. It's a super not jinky's a super janky uh, representation janky. of the mystery. It's machine. It's like
1: if like they. No, I mean.
0: It looks like they did it like 30 years ago, yeah, and then and they have not rolling. cleaned it or washed it since, uh, and it, uh, it's, it's showing its age, uh, so not appropriate. It's more like the, what happens after the fall yeah, <laughs> of society. It's
1: like, it's like a, different, um, a different version of Scooby-Doo.
0: We'll be doing that in the expansion for uh, yeah. Mystery Mansion. Like, where, what happens where are after they? the where betrayal? Are they now,
1: <laughs> what happens after high school?
0: Where is Shaggy in uh, you know 2020? Right,
1: because
0: it's not really set during a specific time. Uh, the Scooby Doo cartoons, right? They're all kind of like it's happening yeah. in the present, it's in the just now,
1: whatever your present is. Yeah, that's when it is, and I'm those not. episodes hold up.
0: They do. They are they're really so, classic animation.
1: Yeah, get get familiar with those episodes because the all of the haunts in this game. Are based off of classic Scooby Doo episodes I and love movies.
0: That. that is super cool. It's very cool. I like a good haunt. <laughs> Me too. All right, so that's May fifteenth. Fifteenth, yeah. Check it out there, uh, Monster Madness available now. now uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Soon. Shout out to the Critical Role crew who just had an awesome show uh, as we're recording this the day before in Chicago at C two E two. Good stuff going on there. Yeah. Did you see their outfits? No. Uh, yeah, they came out, all did like a little fashion show really? as they were being introduced, and it was amazing. Yeah.
1: Oh, I got to go back and look.
0: Yeah. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we are gearing up for Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount coming out on March 17th. It's going to be cool. It's Jump be into the world. world of Alexandria and Wild Mount. I will. You can, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything we wanted to talk about, Shelly. Okay. Do you have any, any, any other fun uh, mean, little tidbits about your life since I was gone for a week? Missed you. Yeah. You were you, at Toy Fair. Y- I did. I was at Toy Fair.
1: We realized that every time you leave Dragon Talk, you put on a suit.
0: It's true. It's either I'm going to a wedding or I am uh, trying to look really cool. Uh, fun fact: It's been the same suit every single time.
1: Well, I mean that makes
0: sense. Yeah, I feel
1: like men have a suit.
0: That's I got. I got right. a suit. I think before last year's Toy Fair, knowing that I was going to have to use it. Three additional times for see? weddings over the course of the year. Uh, you got,
1: you got your money's worth. I got my money's worth. Was Toy Fair fun? Was it good?
0: It was great. It's fo- so amazing to be among uh, our Hasbro brethren and, and sisters uh, with like Transformers and uh, Play-Doh and yeah. My Little Pony and oh my, for real friends did you see and Beyblades, the Baby Yoda. The Baby Yoda, yeah, the Star Wars and all the Marvel stuff looks so cool. They had like a whole Black Widow uh, because that movie's coming out soon. All the toys about that. Um, They also had it was the first time that they had the Marvel stuff that has um, uh, the Fox license in there. So they had uh, this was one cool thing. They had like Wolverine. Uh, Well, actually, I guess he's the same actor, but uh, they had um, uh, the uh, Doctor X, right? Professor X, Professor X. Uh, with the actor that was him, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, also known as Patrick Stewart. Yes. Uh, but then they also had the younger actor. He's got another name. Not Michael Fassbender. It's... I don't know. I don't know. I was like trying to delay, I mean, trying to remember good, this name. Good job I, narrowing it down. I, narrowing it down to, it's not it's Michael Baskin. It's not this one actor. <laughs> so they had all the different heads on there, and that was really cool to kind of oh, see. Wow. Oh, this was the old X-Men, you know, from the Fox yeah. stuff, and here's the X-Men from, from now. Very it was cool. amazing. And uh, we did a great job uh, showing off how wonderful D&D and magic were in that, you know, whole showroom. People were excited about yeah. it. Yeah, John Friscotti, the, uh, uh, uh uh, second in command at, at at Hasbro was like talking it up the whole time. He was there, being like, and he was. I was doing like talking points, and then he was like following up my talking points, Stop and it. then we were like going back and forth. and It was like I, that's one of those moments where you're like, oh, they they un- they get it. They 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 are very excited about everything that Wizards of the Coast is doing.
1: Were you wearing your suit when this was, was happening? I was
0: not wearing my suit, but I did not have a blazer on. That's cool. All right, he'll
1: be like, oh, that guy's from Seattle. <laughs>
0: And I had the leather patches. Uh, oh, that so I guy's a very professor smart. from Seattle. Exactly, so James he, McAvoy. Thank you, everyone who are, oh. are good people uh, in the chat. I knew, I knew you would come to my rescue. Okay, uh, I wouldn't have guessed. that. Shout out that. to Sass Kurt. Me, like, great clues, but I
1: wouldn't have gotten. It. <laughs> know, what
0: clues would I give? He was, he <laughs> it's was from X. And, Michael
1: Fassbender. Why <laughs> <laughs> don't you know? He's
0: also not Michael Strahan.
1: His, he's not. Michael, yeah.
0: period. <laughs> yeah. He
1: is not named Michael.
0: That's true. <laughs> Narrowing it down ever more. Yep. Can you name any actor that's not named Michael? Go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> John Johnson. Yeah, that was the him. first one that came to my
0: mind. <laughs> <laughs> John Johnson.
1: Uh, Why? That makes sense. That's, I am in 1983.
0: Yeah, I am. You were been in the betrayal at the Mystery Mansion this whole time. This whole time. All right. Shelly, it's great to be back. Uh, glad you're back. I shall never go to New York again. That's a lie. That is a lie. But
1: glad you're back.
0: I'm glad I'm back, too. But I'm glad you and Kate had fun. We did. Uh, that's why we're on Spotify now.
1: Hey. Hey.
0: I remembered what to do talk you about do Spotify. If, what
1: happens if someone likes this podcast and thinks their friend would, too?
0: They should share it. How? They On Spotify. They can do the thing where they share it to all of their social feeds. But even then, you should just share it with everyone.
1: You could share it on your... Um, through Apple on your phone. You
0: can do it on Apple, too. You can do There's the clicky the three button dots. thing.
1: three dots. Look Please the
0: three do dots. the three dots. Uh, not the three seashells, but three dots. Press that and then make sure other people know because we want everyone to know about this uh, fun podcast.
1: It's important to Craig. It is
0: important. We want to uh, get the word out about Monster Madness and Betrayal at Mystery Mansion to more people.
1: And we want people to be able to hear our amazing guests that... Want to be on the show? Exactly. Quite frankly. Exactly. I want to be
0: here. That's a good point. Start recommending all of the guests that you know out there in the world about coming on Dragon Talk, and we, we'll make we it happen. We have good
1: guests, and people should hear them.
0: And now you can do that through Spotify on the Dragon Talk feed. You can do that on Apple. You can do that on Google. You can You're do can, that. You can do that on a plane.
1: E- you can do that uh, on a boat. You can do that in a car. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that wherever you are.
0: Let's get that rhymed a little bit. That was right. Yeah, it, was, it worked. Yeah. You're a poet, and know. maybe you are uh, aware of it. <laughs> Can I show it? Speaking of being aware, I'm going to talk to Adam Lee, who is aware of many lore that you should know. Okay. Let's do that. Hello, Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I'm Greg Tito, and today I'm joined by Mr. Adam Lee. Hi, Mr. Adam Lee. How Hello, are Mr. you? Hello, Mr. Greg
2: Tito. I'm doing fine.
0: Uh, this little segment is where we talk about lore in the Dungeons & Dragons multiverse. Yes. For your education and edification, or maybe to apply to your game Yeah. Um, as a dungeon master or player. Yeah. And today we are going to talk about the... Anorak Desert. Yes. It is a desert in the Forgotten Realms. Yes. A a Faerun. Faerun. As they call it. Yes. Uh, Uh, Where is the Anorak Desert in
2: relation to things like the Sword Coast? So yeah, it is uh, east of the Sword Coast. If you go inland, uh, you'll cross uh, forests and uh, mountain ranges, and then eventually you'll get to this blasted sort of wasteland. And the Anorak Desert is Enormous. It is huge and it's kind of a vertical enormity. Okay. Like the Sahara kind of goes east west. Yes. Really big. Um, it is big north south, but bigger east west. Uh, Anarok is bigger north south than it is east west. Okay.
0: Is it similar in size to the Sahara Desert yeah, in Africa? Yeah, it
2: might even be bigger. Oh. Um, it, it's, it's big. And the weird thing about Anarok is that it is uh, part of it is desert. And then the other part is an ice desert. Oh. It is a place called the the High Ice. Um, and it is... Um, I knew a guy in college like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that dude. I think we all knew that dude. <laughs> yeah. High Ice. And he was always chilled.
0: He was very chilled. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's a, But it's like very dry still. Very but dry. But
2: the frozen yeah. cold is, is what's keeping it that way. And, and it goes... No, you know, the, 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 the cool thing in the world is like nobody has ever mapped the full north extent of the high ice. It oh. goes way the heck up there. Um, it kind of loops around. So if you're looking at the map, it kind of loops around and it, it eventually connects up to the spine of the world and, and the ragged Glacier and all that. So, um, But, yeah, an auric is enormous north-south, um, it, like a, a desert of ice. And then that leads into the Plain of the Standing Stones, which is basically a giant graveyard of fallen netheral. Netherese flying cities that crashed into the ground when Karsus screwed up and blew everything apart and the weave almost collapsed and Mistra had to sacrifice herself and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff happened and then it created this sort of wasteland. And uh, so you can walk through the Plain of Standing Stones, which is part of the Anarch Desert, and you will see these you know wrecked, ruined cities. And they're, they're, a lot of them have been scoured away. Some of them are buried under sand. Um, but then some of them are sticking out, and then you can go dungeon delving in there, and explore fallen netherill in the Desert. Yeah. So okay,
0: so we've mentioned uh, the Netherese and the netheral empire yeah. a couple of times on some lore segments yeah. uh, in the past, but what's the quick overview as to, as to what, it was,
2: 3,000 years in, in the past? Y- if not more? 3,800, yeah. F- so it's minus 3,800 DR. It was kind of in that area when the netheral begins and mm-hmm. it begins as like a very humble fishing village and some elves come along and said, hey guys, you want to learn some magic? And they're like, <laughs> sure, this will be great. And then it blows out of control like what humans do with ma- – it's, it's a cautionary tale for our our, our, our guests. <laughs> um, don't, like giving power to uh, a, like, a society or a culture that's not ready for it mm. can have grave uh, pr- uh, problems later on. So the elves learned this um, and I think they're called the Erlani elves anyway. So they're like, hey, we'll, we'll teach these humans magic. They'll be awesome with it. It'll be great. We'll all live together happy. And holy crap, things go wrong. So, oh, so the netheries were human. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, yeah. I, for some
0: reason, I think I took that little bit that the knowledge came from the elves, yeah, and just assumed it was more of an
2: elvish society. Mm-hmm. It's not; it's a human yeah. society. They were just little Fisher people. They were just kind of hanging oh. out by a, by what was then a nice little lake or a sea, inland sea, and they were just doing their thing. And then the elves—it's like the gods must be crazy. Like this thing comes down and just—they just, now they're now they're obsessed with magic. So, all right, so in a few centuries' time, they are able to have flying cities and technology. Yeah. So it, it it got to a point where they were doing fine, but then they started to enslave gnomes. Mm-hmm. And elves were like, "Oh, we didn't know it was going to go that way." <laughs> and the humans started doing more and more funky things, and then they discovered high elven magic. So, um. So when they discovered this thing called the Nether Scrolls, mm. that was high of Elven magic. And they knew enough by that time what they'd been taught by the Erlani to be able to understand these Nether Scrolls. And from there, the Nether Scrolls were kind of like showing you the fundamental kind of workings of how magic, how you could create magic. Not just the Nether Scrolls weren't like, here's a lightning bolt spell and here's a you know a flashbang spell or whatever these were like, this is how you construct magic out of the raw weave. From the weave itself. From the weave itself. And so then humans began, they were like, well, screw the Erlani. We don't don't even need to talk to you guys anymore. We're going to look at these things. So the Netherese went full on into the Nether Scrolls. And from that they created this thing called the Mythalar And from that, these amazing human wizards, um, you know, came out of it. Um, some famous ones like Ayun was uh, one of these nether, Netherese wizards.
0: Oh, Ayun was a Netherese yeah. wizard. I so, didn't know that.
2: Yeah, the Ayun stones were kind of from what had been learned through the from the Nether Scrolls. So then also there's a, a wizard called Iolom, and that wizard was the one who created Mithilars. And Mithilars were basically batteries that you could... It was kind of like... You didn't need the weave anymore. You could you could power magic through a mithral and it allowed the Nether the Netherese wizards to create amazingly powerful spells. So they had almost infinite power and then they also had the fundamental workings of how magic and the weave worked. And so these Netherese wizards were like, "You know what? We don't really need the gods." Mm-hmm. Like their sort of big theory was that the gods are kind of like Archmages, They're like, there's no real difference between us and gods other than that these gods are archmages that have discovered magic that's just even more powerful than what we know. But the thing was is that they had the nether scrolls and they're like, these nether scrolls are going to give us access to becoming like these gods. And so ultimate hubris, of course, because they're just like – I t- th- this was the quick
0: version, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then uh so then the netheries you know, eventually over time, the Netherese became corrupted. Yeah, okay. And the yeah. cities fell. The cities How fell. How did the cities fall?
2: It was it was the magic Carsus. Yeah, you know, the this dude there's this dude called Carsus and he's a big um he's a super Powerful a netheries wizard, like he was casting spells at the age of two, and at the age of twenty, he made his I first floating casting sp- spells since I was yeah. two. He's like, bam! <laughs> so, so Carcus, uh, eventually he he's going to cast this spell that's going to allow them to take over the weave and recreate it in their image and all this stuff. And he's going to and Mistral at that time, the goddess of magic, the goddess of magic is like the heck you ain't. And um, so Carcus launches a spell. It, it destabilizes the weave. Everything goes crazy and Mistral sacrifices herself to save the weave mm. and cut out um, basically all magic. At that point, goes really wonky and then all magic just turns off. Wow. And the things that were holding up the Netherese cities is like gone and they go... And they all crash. They crash. Right. Into the Anorak Desert. Into the Anorak Desert. Yes. At the same time, the because the netheries were doing so much experimental magic that dealt with different planes, like planes of shadow and planes of um, the the elemental planes. Like you always see the big netheries floating cities and there's waterfalls just falling. You're like, well, where don't they run out of water? Those waterfalls are actually being pulled from the elemental plane of water. I see. And it's just, just run and run and run. And so you've got all the water you ever need. So anyway, uh the the netherese by doing all this stuff they disturb these these aberrations called the Phaerum. and the phaerom casts this spell they invent this spell called life drain and it's a it's a life drain and that's what starts the desertification of the anarch desert because at that oh. time it used to be a lush green wonderland right. um, where the netherese society was was happening well the Phaerum like screw you guys and they They create this life-draining spell that just starts to wither everything. Oh. So there, at that point, there's what's called high netherill and low netherill. High netherill all the people up in the floating cities, and they're like, yeah, we don't care what's going on down down there. It can be a desert, whatever. Low nether like, ah, we hate you guys. Screw you. Because high netherill are the the ones who have all the magical power. And it's like if you want to come up to our floating city, which is awesome— you're going to have to basically bow to us, the big super netherese wizards who have read the nether skulls and they know all this stuff. So it creates this this societal gap between the haves and the have-nots, the powerful and the not-so-powerful. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, the pharaoh spell happens. The high netheral, they don't care about it. The low the low netherese. This, like, this was
0: happening before and This was happening before Karsis. I see. So there was already a desert occurring occurring
2: and how many how many do you know like how many centuries or maybe 600 okay so was 600 years before it all happens um, so the desert was already kind of well in place. It's starting to, yeah, it's starting to happen. In fact, Karsus is, is, one of his big things was how am I going to stop the pharaoh? Nobody knew at that point how oh, to so do it. Oh, so he's going to
0: send Godhood so that he can do that. He's going to get see.
2: super powerful. He's going to he's going to take over the magic, the the weave, because Mistral at that time, because there's now, there was Mistral, and now it's Mistra. Mistral, who was at that time governing all the magic in the weave, she was putting limits on things. Like humans can only cast so much magic, that's it. Well, with the Mithilars and the Nether Scrolls, and Karsa saying, Well, now I'm going to take all the limits off. Mm. So, so he kind of goes against, them and that's when that whole thing happens.
0: So, I see. Okay. So then the, the, the ships, or not the ships, the, uh, the cities are yeah, collapsing. They're falling boom. down, and they get embedded because most of them were around uh, the Anorak Desert, although there were some all over the. The, the planet of Tortal, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: they they floated around, but they are mainly kind of contained in this in this Anarok desert area. Oh, so that's why there's so many of the crash yeah. cities there. Yeah, I and see. And in fact, there might have been some like reason why they didn't they didn't kind of go outside of those borders. Um, but so, what was on these cities that is now embedded below the oh desert? All kinds of stuff. I mean, High Netherol at its peak. Was some amazing, mind-blowing stuff um, because everything was created by magic. And there are um, there are these stones. I'm trying to remember what they're they're like char 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 chardelin or chardel something. Anyway, Charizard. No wait Yeah, Charizard. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I choose you, Charizard. Um, <laughs> but there are these stones that you can cast a spell into it. It it goes into and the spell goes into the stone and stays there. And then all you have to do is crush the stone. And that spell will fire off there's wow. like there's a, there's magical stuff in the land um there's all sorts of things like if you're going to run an adventure in the plain of standing stones uh, there's you can you can come upon all this fun nethery stuff that is all magical in nature um you're going to have the cool magic items um, as a dm you you can make up some really far out super powerful magic items that you know all players will be tempted by, but there always should be some kind of you know dark twist to it you know if you get this thing you're you're playing with power beyond your your sort of your pay grade
0: <laughs> I like that I like yeah. that because there's there's always that draw for more powerful magic items or something that yeah. can can uh, make your care i mean all, all characters are treasure hunters to mm-hmm. a certain extent right so they want to get some of that stuff
2: but yeah.
0: It's going to have a monkey's paw kind of yeah. consequence to it.
2: Yeah, totally. And it totally fits in with the theme of like Netheril and what happened to it and sort of now the wasteland of Anorak. Who lives in the Anorak, uh, uh, Anorak desert now? So there's a couple different kinds of things going on. So so because it's this big north south desert, um, there's it's a it's a natural sort of barrier between the Sword Coast and um, you know, that area. And then the eastern parts, so like Thay and Thar and, and uh, the Moon Sea and... Um, the, oh, those are all on the, they're the, on the eastern east, side, east side of, of the it. desert. Yeah, so so you can go long way around and then go up, or you can try to cut across the Antarctic desert. So it's kind of like, you know, Seattle and you want to get to Port Angeles. It's like you can go down through Tacoma and up, or you can just go straight across. Well, because the Antarctic Desert's there and it's super dangerous and there's all kinds of netherese traps and pitfalls and stuff and magical bombs and whatever you want to put there. And just nasty monsters like genies and, and uh, you know, gnaw bands. There's um, – there are these people that are there. Now, some of them are descended from the Nether- netherese people and some mm-hmm. of them are just imports, people who kind of came there and just were sort of scavenging on sort of the ruined cities and then just kind of decided they were going to live there. And they're called the Bedeen people. So there's also the Dataric people as well, and they are descended from dwarves. They're like almost like half dwarf. And we haven't done anything with them in 5e yet, but you know that they're there in in the the old lore. And uh, and then also the Gentarm are all in that place because there's a
0: lot of magic, and it's if they're a black black, the black network, they're actually taking that and selling that. Oh yeah, they
2: can. Yeah, they're selling that stuff. And then also because it is desolate and there's sort of, you know, um, you know there's all kinds of dungeons and stuff in there, uh, they, they create sort of strongholds there where you can go and hide out and nobody can find you when mm. you're in an arc. So there's a crisscross of trails and those trails are patrolled mostly by the Bedeem people and they can either act as guides or they can be bandits. So if you are escorting a caravan across the desert... Um, you've either got to pay the Bedeen or you've got to get ready to rumble because um, they're going to come at you. And they are—they're like an honor bound. They're sort of like a Klingon race. They're very—you know—they're warriors. They—they they detest magic, um, probably because of the myths that have been told about the Netherese. And Were they mostly descended from the low Netherese? Is that why they? Possibly, Might have yeah. That built-in belief. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing. I didn't think that, but that's probably exactly why they're like that. Yeah. Um, that, you know, because of these myths about you know how wizards couldn't be trusted, and so so if you're a wizard and you're crossing, then you know you're going to have to deal with the Bedin and, and sort of like assure them that you're not you know sort of or that you're on the up and up, and you're not going to like use your. Powers for, for to, bad to make deserts <laughs> to, <yeah>. everywhere, <laughs> not make, just here. Yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, and and it's, and they have a uh, you know they have a lot of traditions and things, and you can if you get in with them and you become pals and friends, then you can learn a lot about the desert and how to survive there, and uh, how to. Um, you know all the different oases that you know, oases um, <laughs> <laughs> that you can you know keep yourself alive as you move across the desert, and also um, if you get in with the Bedeen, they they could probably show you um, dungeons, places to go, um, treasure troves, ones that have been exhausted, and yes. ones that might you know yeah. still have a lot
0: more left over. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, what about um, the idea that? Uh, Set, you know, setting a, a, a campaign in the uh, Anarak Desert. Like, how, how would you go about that? And I'm wondering if we can take some inspiration maybe from the Mournlands that are oh, talked yeah. about in the Eberron uh, Rising from the Last War and see if, yeah. if there's any crossover there.
2: Yeah, they're very similar uh, in, the, in the sense that they're both – there's not a lot known about both of them. They're both magical wastelands. Like Anarok is not a natural desert; it is a magical desert. Like if you probably if you cast detect magic, the whole Anarok desert would just glow. Oh (laughs) no! Like it has been created by uh, by magic. So, um, and the Mornland, same thing. The Mornland was created by some weird magical event that nobody understands or nobody knows. Anarok is the history is pretty well understood of what happened and why it happened the way it happened. Um. Uh, so yeah, if you were a, you were a, a dungeon master
0: or, or a player who maybe yeah. wants to you know, play as a, a, a Bedeen people or mm-hmm. something like that, like, what, what, what are some you know, character ideas you might have or something like that? Um,
2: well, for, for one, I mean, if you were like, okay, you could have your, all your players um, roll up uh, you know, characters who are Bedeen, and then it's a matter of you know, um, you know, th- there's a reoccurrence of a Feyrim, like these underground horrible creatures. What, that, do, these, what do those aberrations look like? Um, basically they're like, uh, like a windsock and at the open end, it's just a row of circular row of teeth and there's four arms that stick out and they, they can, they fly and hover around and they are, uh, totally evil and they kind of use telepathy to try to force their way into your mind and it's not pleasant at all and they're very powerful and they're just bent on the destruction of, uh, life, yeah. anything other than a fair room. So like really sweet guys. They are. They're and they make great plushies uh, <laughs> yeah. for the kids. I just want to give them a hug. Yeah. So those things, um, they were they were running they were running wild. And then there was a deal that was done with. Uh, there was a, a consortium of the gods that got together, and they 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 got in touch with these beings called the Sharn, and the Sharn are they're good guys. But man, do they look evil. Yeah. They just look like horrible things with fangs and they're eyeless and whatever. But they're powerful sorcerers. And the Sharn were what was responsible for taking the Pharaoh and locking them back in the Underdark. Oh. So, for all intents and purposes, the Pharaoh the, the are down there locked in the Underdark. But if you were like, say, you're rolling up a Bedeen party, um, it could be that, oh, one of the Pharaoh has come out. You've got to get him back, you've got to kill him or hunt him down. Another thing could be you've, you know, one of your tribe members has gone off and gotten lost in a a netherese dungeon. Um, If you had one Badin character and you wound up in an arc, then they would have knowledge. It can almost be like a ranger of sorts to guide the rest of the party through the desert right, and cool. know about kind of like how to survive and you know, all the different kinds of monsters that are there and tracks and like, you know, you see like a sloughed off skin and you're like, oh, it's a Yuan-Ti enclave coming up. We better do this. Or, are there a Yuan-Ti in, in the honor act? Desert well, yeah, too? yeah. You can have Yuan-Ti. You can have, I mean, I like the idea of, of genies. I, I love like, uh, like, you can have a, like a Netherese mummy lord. Work. Oh, that's Man. terrible. Yeah, it'd be horrible, horrible. And uh but yeah, you know, you go into a dungeon and it's just full of undead, like undead netheries. Um and who knows what the wizards did. I mean, when the when Carsus blew it and and just everything fell apart, there was probably you know, immense amounts of wreckage, but I mean probably a good portion of those wizards survived and then they were either thought to themselves cuz there was a diaspora of of the netheries after that. Yeah. They were just like, well, that's the end of that. Uh guess we're done. And they went out to form, to form a lot of the nations that we know about now. Yeah. Like, so like, and like yeah, and Halrua, you know, like they're all the they took that knowledge and went and started stuff everywhere. Yeah. So um but some of them might have stayed. And some of them may have even, you know, become witches and just thought, oh, I'm just going to hang here and 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 try to like because there were the nether scrolls. Like, the nether scrolls were scattered everywhere.
0: Oh, because they were all in there the cities. A,
2: yeah, some of them were stolen and taken. Some of them were destroyed. Some of them went missing. What like, about the Mythalars? There are Mythalars there. Yeah. I mean... Because uh, they was weren't necessarily destroyed when the, when the cities fell. No. I mean, it, it, some of them could have stayed around. Like, it, it's undetermined as to, like, well, when Mistral shut down all magic and then was reborn as Mistra, like... What happened to the Mithlars? Were they just batter power down? I want to say that they're out there, and there you can find one. And holy smokes, if you do, like you might not even understand how the heck to use it. Are they like like a like a
0: Chernobyl or like a nuclear thing where like they're actually?
2: breaking down and, like, uh, melting at this point? It's probably, uh, yeah, some of them could be that. Some of them could be, like, you could walk within, you know, like 100 yards of them and then all of a sudden your flesh just goes off your body. (laughs) Like, some of them, you know, could be um, kind of like the, uh, what, the Cuban, uh, the Marvel movies, what the heck was the The Tesseract. Tesseract. Like the Tesseract, you know. It's like this incredibly powerful thing that can do all kinds of godlike stuff.
0: Are I they mean, that small? Is it is it portable? Yeah,
2: yeah, some of them, you know, could be this big. I mean, you could say one's as big as this room. Um, you, however, you want to fit it in your game. Like there was no real.
0: They s- didn't all, of all was, look the same. No. They all, all were different. Yep,
2: they they could all be just different kinds of things. Um, well, that's really interesting. So I'm getting all these kind
0: of story hooks in my brain about like you know. Uh, uh, People finding out about this, even in Waterdeep or Baldur's Gate, and wanting to be like, we need to get there because it's going to be the most powerful thing that's going to be necessary, and oh, you're yeah. the only party that we trust to do that. And you got to yeah. get a guide, and you know, almost make it like a um, um, Indiana Jones. You got to oh, get the ark before
2: yeah. the ba- the bad people get it for right? sure. Yeah, yeah, because like the Mythlar, like there's this the wizard I- I- Iolam. He 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 was the one who invented the mithlars, and basically what he did was he took this thing and after he played around with it for a while he went up to a mountain and just went honk and just cut the top off the mountain and then flipped it and said, building the city on top of that. And that was the first floating city. First floating city. And that's how it happened. And you could just imagine... You know, he's like, I want to do something with this thing. And the wizards are like, okay. And they all walk out <laughs> to the plane and their big mountain. He, it's just like going to Mount Rainier and just yeah. chopping the top off of it and then flipping it in midair and all the clouds and atmospheres moving back. That's amazing. And he's like, that's what this thing can do. And now, Mr. is not that tough. You know, like yeah. we could be like gods. Like I just did a godlike thing. Like who the heck has ever done that? So and being able to share that with the, all the rest of the, the,
0: the netheries, yeah. p- most powerful wizards. Yeah. So that there's I mean, how many myth were made? Unknown. And so there could Enough. be any number of them yeah. under the honor act as right now.
2: Yeah. 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 Just sitting there waiting. And they are super dangerous. On top of that, nether scrolls. Yeah. They went missing. Who knows where they went? They could have been – people might have them and not even know it. It's like having a Van Gogh in your attic and doesn't like, oh, that's a crazy painting my granddad had. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> Some guy with a yeah. ear cut off. Who yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whatever, <laughs> you
2: know. But, yeah, Mithilar, same uh, – uh, Nether Skull, same thing. It, just, it could be in a case, like an old stone sealed case and, in somebody's attic or in a basement somewhere or in a dungeon and – or it could be, like, uh, on the, the wall of a tent of a, of a Bedouin people who yeah. are like, oh, yeah, no, this is just something we've handed down for yeah. generation to generation. It looks cool, right? Yeah. It Like, if it gets cold at night and we're, like, chilly and we don't have fuel, we'll just put that in there. And it's really warm because it's <laughs> radiating heat all the time. It's like- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> that happens uh, all
0: the time, yeah. right? You just paper <laughs> makes uh, uh, heats, right? Yeah. I mean, is it made from paper?
2: Is it actually, like, a scroll, like another scrolls? It, I mean... It, it could be it could be hammered metal it could be um it could be dimensional when you open it up it's like an extra dimensional like energy oh. it could be anything any way you want to imagine it so um I think the traditionally thing it was like um, just like regular paper scroll um, but it came from the high elves so there was there was an elven ruin I used to know the name of it i don 't know it now it's like begins with a and <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, when the humans discovered that they, they went to a high elven room and they, they snooped around, they got in there and they got these things. It was like a, it's like kind of like the Nag Hammadi scrolls when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. It's like they were in these jars or whatever It was in this, in this ancient elven, high elven temple. They got them and they're like, what are these things? And they read them and they're just like, this is so much power. Yeah. Right. And probably 99% of Netherese people had no idea what the hell that was talking about. But the one person who did. Was like holy crap! Is like the Einstein of the Netherese, and that person unlocked basically the weave, uh, and that was the big problem. And all of that is
0: now underneath the desert, yep. waiting for adventurers to save
2: it Wha- or destroy or the or world. Destroy the world! Don't go and get the Netherese scrolls. Don't, don't do it. look at it. Close your, your eyes, eyes Marion. Yeah, close your, close your eyes. eyes. Yeah, don't look.
3: All right,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many uh, stories I want to tell now in my head. So, so thank yeah. you, Mr. Adam Lee, for tell that. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and ask you more questions about the Netherese and uh, Genies, uh, oh, how, yeah. do they, how do they do that? Adam of Adventure. Uh, at Adam of, Adam of Adventure, yes. On the Twitters. On the Twitters, yes. Excellent.
2: Press awesome. the blue bird.
0: Thank you so much. We'll be back with yeah. some more fun uh, lore next week. I know so much more from Adam Lee. Always, because he's a wealth
1: of information. He
0: like just uh, the fountain of, of information is. <laughs> <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> it's beautiful
1: it's, in the courtyard. It I want is to beautiful. throw money into it and exactly. make a wish. Make a
0: wish for more information. To uh, I wish
1: for Adam to enlighten me.
0: It's amazing. Yes. Um. Speaking of though. Yeah, it's like the third time I've used that transition, but I'm going to do it again because we've got an amazing person here. We really do. Who also has I want to learn. I want to pick his brain uh, about all like the information. Like a mind flayer. Like a mind flayer. I want to be Doctor T. Doctor Tentaculus will be Man. finding out all about what's happening uh, with his animation as yes. well as his fandom of Dungeons and Dragons. So John Carlo is going to be coming on. Let's bring him in. Let's do it. All right. Hi, Giancarlo Volpe, and welcome to Dragon Ton! Yay!
3: Hello. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Thank you so much for
0: having
1: me. Thank you for being here.
0: This is very exciting. Is it really? Being in the the halls
3: of D and D. Yes, the halls of D and D. Is it
1: what I know? You haven't seen much, but is it is it all you expected? I might have got a you little more.
3: bit of a sneak peek, and it is really everything I thought it would be, and more. Excellent. <laughs> Amazing, like all of the cool artwork that you see yeah. on the like guidebooks and everything. It's just like like triple size, quadruple size, and I hanging the walls and that's it's it beautiful. That's really cool.
0: We've done that. Was not he and I started about five years ago, and I still had that same thing where I was like, I can't believe I'm in here. But now it's just improving so much. Oh like yeah, we a little bit taken for granted, but it yeah.
1: Is. But it's still a lot, I still love coming in to work in the morning and seeing the light, the ampersand lit up. Yes, backlit ampersand. I love how iconic yeah,
3: that's, that's become. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a recent thing, you know. Even on this mug, obviously. Yeah, it <laughs> uh, it's a dra- got a dragon in the ampersand. Yes, us. but I occasionally see someone with the ampersand on their shirt or something, and it's just kind of a what mutual. Do you do, like, like, do you look at them like? Hey. There's a little I, bit of a you know, nice shirt, and and that speaks you know volumes. Of <laughs>
1: it does. I I always say this, but I love to wear something D and D in public. And, like, when I get dressed in the – like, usually on weekends, I always, like, say in my head, do I want to talk to people today? Or if I want to talk to them, I'm going to wear my D&D shirt or a jacket. And, like, everywhere I go, somebody will comment.
3: Right. For a brief window of time, I had a little D20 pin on the back of my, like, work bag and it was just a little like, you know, that my version of that. Yeah. But then it fell off, and <gasps> I don't know what happened to it. Oh, so no.
0: nice. Well, we might have a few
3: pins. <laughs> that yeah, we, can, yeah. Yeah. we can. That we can wasn't essential. <laughs> I wasn't begging for a replacement. Like, uh, but there's, I that, lost
1: my sapphire dry <laughs> <set>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
3: don't know what happened. It was my favorite. I guess I lost all of the books. So I'm just going to have to get some more <laughs>
0: out there. Um, but you were saying that you saw uh, folks wearing the ampersand in. Hollywood and people making uh, of this stuff? Has oh, that been happening absolutely. more and
3: more? Yeah, I mean, here's the crazy thing is that uh, if there was ever a time where I thought playing D&D was kind of a dirty secret of mine, <laughs> the the more that I've worked, especially in animation, it's like, oh, everyone does. It's it's not like, oh, who knew that 5% of us did? It's like almost everyone has a D&D wow. story. And I, it, it, even... What I saw in the hallways just walking into this room, it sort of feels like an animation studio in terms of like just big creative artwork everywhere and action figures on people's desks and oh, stuff yeah. like that. There's so much crossover.
0: That's cool. Yeah. We, I don't, and I think even when I started here, I didn't really think that was true. And I, yeah. I, 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 it was people were telling me over and over again, I'm like, no, nah, really? Because I remember the time when we had a, you know, cover up the book in the <laughs> yes. textbook in yeah. order to to be able to read it, so it's really been gratifying to hear people being able to be like yeah no it's it's there and, and people use it as a as a uh, maybe you can tell us as as a thing that's like their job but isn't their job yes, is that why it ha- has There's appeal?
3: definitely a lot of crossover in that it it feels like collaborative storytelling, which is the mood in a writer's room, for sure. But I think the biggest difference is that in a writer's room, there's usually a showrunner, which I suppose is the, the DM, <laughs> oh. <laughs> in, in, that, you know, in that context, that um, is arbitrating your decision. So it's like, well, that could be a cool uh, choice for this character to make, but let's make sure that emotionally and story-wise, that's the, the thing that will land the, the best. Whereas in D&D, it's a little more determined just by chance and the die roll. So, you know, sometimes you'll be, I've seen this happen when I'm DMing or playing where the way the story is unfolding, you want that last standing player to kill the, you know, monster that has nearly... You know, um, wiped the entire party, right. and then they roll poorly, and everyone goes no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it would make a terrible movie, but you know, it, yeah. it happens all the time in the game.
0: That is true. I mean, we've been telling folks like the failures are actually the most fun part of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> exactly. It, it didn't used to be that way. It used to just have that chagrin, like oh darn it, and then go on to the next person in 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 the combat. But now, those moments are the ones that are the
3: most memorable. Yeah, especially if you live to talk about it. I mean, I yeah. I did like once or twice, like wipe the whole party, and and it's very <laughs> as a player demoralizing as a DM. As a DM, and you kind of like well, so we have to make new characters. You know, it's uh-huh. a little. Uh, Whoa! So yeah, I went how too did, far. How
0: did that happen? What was what's the story behind that one you of know, those?
3: What was weird? It was a I want to say it was a first a super simple first level dungeon, and they happen to encounter zombies. Mm-hmm when they came in the room and they just weren't, maybe it was my fault, partially as DM, (laughs) like I I wasn't exactly hinting how you defeat them. Because as I recall, at least the version we were playing at the time, the zombies move very slowly, but if they touch you, they do a lot of damage, yeah. And so they could have been dancing around them and pinging them from a distance, but no one quite got that. So they were just going right to the zombies. Oh, they just and, went right and to getting that. slammed. I think this was like a third edition sort of like rule. Oh, the slam attack. The was slam attack vicious. was vicious and killed the entire party.
0: Wow, <laughs> first level too. So first level. were they new players, or were they? There were least... a couple new
3: players. Oh, I remember right. one of the guys like traded his player's handbook in after that. He was Whoa. like, "This isn't for me."
1: Was this was this like their first? Game of Dandy, or was this a, over the a course couple of, the of campaign? them?
3: Yeah, but, so but, but happened, no, this, or, this was first night.
1: First night, yeah. So, did you, as a dungeon master, have any thoughts like I'm going to fudge this dice roll? I'm going to pretend. I
3: saw it happening, and I was and I was kind of counting on one of the players who was more experienced to save the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he very selfishly took off and ran. So I <gasps> guess it he wasn't split a, the party? It, it, it wasn't a total wipe. He just ran away, and he was like, see you, <laughs> So, Because that's oh. what my character would do. That's what my no, character no, would guys, do. One playing. of those things. So. Yeah.
0: Well, that's so funny, because around... Um, one of the things I think about streaming entertainment and, and how it's been driving, I think, a lot of people wanting to get to the game is exactly that experience, where someone just had one bad night and you might just be like hey this isn't for me.
3: Yeah. And then with streaming yeah. entertainment
0: there is that like ideal that people are chasing a little bit more. So they might try two or three or you know 10 times before th- because they're chasing what they saw on on Critical Role or Rivals of Waterdeep right. or something like that.
3: Another thing that I noticed with with like those types of, you know, streaming games is I always felt this insecurity when I was, like, a teenager that I was playing D&D wrong. Mm. And, I, and I realized later that a lot of people shared this fear where it was, like, um, is this what you're supposed to do? Like, how rule-heavy is this? How role-play-heavy is it? Right. Um, is it bad that I forgot a rule and I, you know, rolled the wrong thing or what, rolled off the wrong charter or but when you see other people play it and go oh no it, we were totally doing it right the whole time like yeah. it, it's and it's and it's obviously to taste um, but i think that that helped a lot was just seeing like oh yeah that's what that's what a d experience is yeah and exactly.
1: definitely seeing it is, makes it a lot easier to learn it
3: cuz it's also very
1: hard to explain like, yeah. I feel like people who have never played and they're like, I, where is the board?
3: Yeah. How do yeah. you win? Right. Like,
1: I, you know, I can't yeah. really explain this to you yeah. unless you do it or see it.
3: One of my funnest moments, or I suppose that's incorrecting, most fun, funniest, <laughs> no, wait,
0: no, that's also <laughs> memories,
3: <laughs> DMing was when I DMed for like a group of five or six or so, that, and none of them had played before. One of them was my wife who's in the the studio. Shout out to (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so my intent when I was DMing that game was to keep all the rules under the hood. So it would feel just like, well, you know, what would you do in this scenario? And and there was a little bit of reservation, like, well, what am I allowed to do? And I was like, never mind what you're allowed to do. Just what would you do? if this was happening to yeah. you. And then I would kind of slowly roll out rules as I did it. Like, you know, we're, what I'm doing right now is I'm rolling a saving throw. Remember this. You know? Okay. <laughs> and,
0: but they it, will remember this.
3: But it was really yeah. cool because um, one of my friends, Colin, at the time, was was in awe that he could jump up onto a little, like, pedestal. He asked, like, can I, or I think maybe one of the kobolds or something did this. And he was like, wait, that's possible. Can I do that? And I think he was a little too trained from video games that where yeah. sometimes you can jump on a pedestal, but there's some games where they won't allow you for right. whatever reasons. And that's when it suddenly clicked where he was like, oh, I can do anything I want.
1: And it's a good like, moment.
3: And was like, you can try to. <laughs> we'll, we'll let the dice ultimately right. decide. But, you know, that was the, the goal.
1: Did you find that f- was more freeing for new players to tell them, to, to, to explain it that way? Like, well, what would you do? Just tell me anything. as Because po- sometimes I feel like new players might be like, I'm, I am literally paralyzed by a choice. I don't know. What do you think yeah. I can do anything? What
3: should I do? I'd- What's the best yeah. move? There was a moment of that. And so I had to at some time say, well, you could attack. Or you could talk them out of it, you know? Right. Uh, or you could hide, you know? Let me see your spell sheet, you know? That sleep spell could come in handy, you yeah. know? There's a little bit of handholding that that, uh, you know, came with it. But they seemed to figure it out
1: yeah. pretty quickly. I like that approach. I like the way that you framed it. What, what would you do? What, what would
3: you Yeah. Yeah. Anything. It's also kind of a great writer's room trick, too, where, like, uh, when you're trying to tell the most you know, compelling story, sometimes we have to put our, like, writer brain aside and just be like, but if you're in this scenario, what would you actually do? You know, what would you do? Never mind what the character would do. And kind of maybe even pull the room sometimes, see if there's any commonality. Like, of course I would walk out, you know, or, or whatever. So if your father was, uh, was a <laughs> yeah, big, yes. you know, robot alien with a mask that <laughs> breathes weird, Put and he said, there. <laughs> yes, yes. what would you
0: do? You'd probably scream, you're not my father. And <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> you would <thought> me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's how that got written. <laughs> uh, that's really fascinating. So I love the idea of a writer's room. I've always kind yeah. of uh, been hearing about that forever. What's, what's so... Uh, yeah, tell us everything. Tell us everything. Oh, How do you do it? And uh, What's it like? What are, what are the similarities? I mean, you've already been saying a few similarities and differences between that and, like, a D&D session, but, like, yeah, how, how, how does a show like the ones that you've been working on get made or, or get written?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an awareness. I mean, the, the shows that I love to work on, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm starting to have a reputation for doing these sort of serialized content. Oh, well, so. you
1: will after this podcast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doors are going to open. <laughs> My plan is unfolding perfectly. Um, where it's serialized, so in other words, it streams really well, or you know, uh, it binges very well. So mm. the stories continue from one episode to the next and tell a greater tale. Um, so a lot of times, writers' room will start with a corkboard or you know, a dry erase where you've just pinned up episodes one through thirteen or episodes one through ten, and you will put index cards on the wall that say. This is a very abbreviated, simple version of it, but the character will start in this place, usually will have some sort of want or some sort of problem, and these are some of the dilemmas and the conflicts they'll face, and it'll ideally get worse, (laughs) and then it all climaxes in episode 10 or 13, whatever your last episode is, where they're confronting their inner demon or their outer demon, and they either conquer that or are defeated by it. Normally in kids' entertainment, <laughs> you <laughs> don't end it. shows tragically. <laughs> but, you know, um, sometimes, you know, if you've seen a movie where a character is is consumed by their flaw, that's usually yeah. the, the template was. of a tragi- tragedy. Yeah.
0: And then you and then you do go and then flesh out the individual episodes? Yeah,
3: so then it's a little bit like zooming in. Like, now that we know the checkpoints we want to hit in episode 5 are this, this, and this how do we make a 22-episode minute of that? Yeah. And oh, wow. sometimes it's intimidating because usually I I think a lot of, you know, storytellers agree that the beginning and the ending seem fairly fun and, and obvious. Um, but then the middle is always like, but then what holds your interest in that middle part? That's usually the trickier part. That is the hard part. Do you
1: write – are they all written at the same time or do you start with like – Let's just—we got one through five, and now we're gonna shoot these, and then like, what? Like sometimes they change the trage- tra- trajectory it, it, of the other episodes.
3: There is, the, bless you. <laughs> there, oh. is, I muted re- it. it was I hurt. wasn't sure I if that was on heard mic. A little sneeze. Now I've outed your, your <laughs> silent <laughs> sneeze. It's all part of the magic. <laughs> I don't know. if... So, you don't. I don't know what, you know, uh, podcast etiquette is slightly different. <laughs> we don't either. Yeah. We talk about <laughs> we poop and, and snot on things
0: all the time. <laughs> yeah. We're just getting better
3: all the <laughs> <and> slowly <laughs> in increments. <laughs> well, so the question was... Uh,
1: Does everything get written at the uh, same everything?
3: time? So, I, it feels like you can't. I mean, I, I know that there's some shows where they'll, for example, write everything first and then start animating it or, you know, drawing it, Um most of the time my experience has been you're writing episodes one and two and then you start storyboarding episodes one while you're talking about episode three and then Okay, that makes more sense. And it and it's it's a stacked sort of tiered, you know, mm. um process, I guess.
1: That does feel like like a campaign, like a D and D campaign <laughs> planning. Because like as a, I don't know because I'm a very scared dungeon master. I'm curious <laughs> about it. I will one day try it again, but I'm too scared. But I, I feel like if you planned your whole campaign from start to finish yeah. and then you're like, let's play, it's never going to – it won't go that way. The player's actions are going to inform much of that yes. campaign.
3: Ooh, can yeah. I give a dungeon master tip yes. on that? Tip it up. So let's say, for example – you're making a campaign, and what you want to happen is they meet at the tavern. This is a very basic template, but uh, you meet at the tavern, and you want them to go in the basement and kill the whatever. Yeah. The, the, the goblins that are hiding in the basement. And through whatever reason... And so you have all these stats for your goblins, how many are down there, what weapons they carry, what treasure is on them, and you've, you've got this all master plan... And for whatever reason, through roleplay and stubborn players or whatever, instead of even discovering that there is a basement, they get into a bar fight <laughs> that you're yep. completely unprepared for. You can still use the kobold stats, or the sorry, the, the goblin stats, and just say that you know, goblin one was the guy to your left, and goblin two was the woman to oh, your right. Just move still play out that fight as, exactly as you planned it and still have the same loot on them. But it was a brawl, a, a tavern brawl, that they incited and felt like playing, but you just borrowed your statistics from the thing you thought was going to happen.
1: So it's not just throwaway. Like It's not like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I've never got to use this room, and now yeah. I can think of something just totally use new it. on the fly. You just use it.
3: But then in the event that they then discover the goblins downstairs, too. Oh, yeah. you know, there you were know, more. Maybe we, that'll be the next session, so you'll have time <laughs> yeah. to prep for well, that, too, you can too, always right? just
1: say, like, no, that that door is locked. It's never <laughs> right. going to open. Yeah, yeah, you could close <laughs> it off
0: now it's wizard locked forever yeah, and ever. nobody <laughs> can break through that door. I mean, because Shelly has given the famous example where she planned out everything to the right, and they went left, and then I didn't yeah. know what stopped was stopped DMing after that. You're like, nope, I, that's, I don't know what like, do. Yeah, I'm
1: leaving.
0: You, <laughs> you, can just just like <laughs> you can just reskin what you were going to do Could on the right have to re-skin the left. It. Just mirrored. Uh, yeah, I, w- I panicked.
3: One thing I'm bad at, though, is... Occasionally, you get players that really want to like haggle prices of like items and stuff like that, and I get a little frustrated with that because it's like I don't want to. Because then suddenly I'm like selling them wares and <laughs> trying to convince them, you know, to pay full price, and I kind of don't care if they pay, pull. Full. Yeah, you know, because if, if let's say for example that I am selling you a sword, I me personally I want to sell it as high as I can and you want to buy it as low as but as a dungeon master I don't really care right. yeah. so there's, really there's no passion in it so a lot of times I'll sort of just default to like can we just you know make your case I'll hear you out if it's a good case you get a plus one to your you know persuasion persuasion to it down yeah and then. Yeah. then I'll knock off 10 to 20% depending on a die roll
0: I have met players who their entire goal in <laughs> playing D&D is to haggle <laughs>
3: Are you it's so weird. It feels
0: like it, right? Where
3: you're like, you,
0: every single purchase that happens, it can just happen. You I, don't need to have,
3: yeah, a 15 minute
0: role this. play on <laughs> on each purchase that you make.
1: You don't do. do i have never really been in a oh. game where like the shopping has been like an integral part of the game.
0: If yeah, the, on a long time campaign, sometimes people like a shopping trip can be like three sessions. Like It's yeah. like oh if you oh you met a fortune teller and you make up some fortune on the fly <laughs> and then you're like crap I got to get this prophecy uh, fulfilled
3: yeah. somehow and then right it ends up being oh, like. The whole yeah. thing. I mean, I suppose there's a fun version of shopping where it's like, you know, if I know, for example, as Dungeon Master that the combined gold of the party is 1,200 gold, and I'm like, here's this really awesome thing that costs 1,500, and see how they solve that. Yeah. M- you know, maybe there's something fun yeah. there, but you know, just haggling over the price of, like, some rations or something. I'm like, why are we doing this? Please, (laughs) come on. There's so much more. We're doing epic. We want to do epic (laughs) fantasy, not...
1: You should say every shop they go into has a sign in the window that says, hagglers will be prosecuted.
3: (laughs) Hagglers will be prosecuted.
1: (laughs) You will die. There's no haggling in this town. I'm sorry. They they really frowned upon it.
0: So you started playing uh, before 3rd Edition, or is that just the edition that you kind of latched onto?
3: So I've... I've played every edition. Okay. (laughs) Um, But as I mentioned earlier, like... First edition, I remember. First edition, I remember going to the Tacoma Public Library what? and checking out like the Player's Handbook and the Dungeon Master. And you know, if you if you grew up in Tacoma and you ever went to specifically Moore Branch Library and you wanted to get Ryan Marty, uh, our, our Player's all Handbook from Tacoma, and and it, you couldn't find it, sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> oh, I was just hoarding just it, and I'll I'd go you. back and I'd recheck it out, and I you know just was, was sitting on it. And I remember a lot of young D&D players can recount this where you wanted to play, but it's like, who do you play with? And I I think I discovered it around the time that my brother was becoming just very school-focused. So I couldn't play with him, so he tried to go to school and ask if any, you know, try to feel out if anyone... Would judge you <laughs>
1: too, bad you didn't have your pin back then. Yeah, your D20 such a pin. different yeah. world
3: back then. You know, like, um, but yeah, we I did play some first edition, and remember um, my DM at the time, his name was Brandon, and um, shout out to Brandon. We he still would know play one on one. He would DM, and I would play. Oh, that's cool, and like it was very like good enough, but you know, gave me my dose. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> And then you continued with 2nd with,
3: with when that came out? Yeah, you know, then got all caught up into that. Like, um, as much as I love 1st edition, 2nd edition kind of acknowledged that, there, you know, it was hard to find stuff in the book. It was a little scattershot. Yeah. You know, like, there were rules about things all in the wrong place. You know, in their defense, in Gary's defense, he was figuring it all out, and then they kind of streamlined it in 2nd edition, but then also made a couple controversial calls... Um, but, uh, yeah, I played, I've played a bit of all of it.
0: What was the time that you think was like your most, like, where you were doing the most time and the most campaigns?
3: I think the, it was around 3rd edition because it was kind of that perfect time when um, most of my buddies were single, without kids, and we were making decent money. I, I, this was, we were working on King of the Hill at the time. Oh, oh wow, really? So the King of the Hill group. And I used to do these elaborate like dungeons in my garage where, you know, it was like I built a Paper mache mountain that kind oh of, like, peeled, you know, amazing. opened, and then there was, like, a dragon, you know, labyrinth inside and stuff like that. Whoa. Um I just don't – I don't know if I have the time or the energy to do that anymore, but I remember that was kind of peak. Do you have pictures of that? Somewhere, but they were terrible. This was, like, pre-cell phone, yeah. you know, cameras. So it was, like, a really bad, like, disposable camera, like, poorly it lit. It's so like, what am I looking at? This is a mountain in your garage. It just, unfortunately, didn't do it justice. It sounds really cool, though. I like having,
0: <laughs> the, like, the, the I can imagine it right away, having the, the mountain split open, and then you can
3: have all the things laid out yeah. within it. Yeah, like, Craig I wants re- to make it. I Really, I'm, I'm
0: going to go back in time <laughs>
3: to your garage. And you it. It was so shoddily, I mean, you know, it, it's all, you know, smoke and mirrors, because it was, like, shoe boxes and stuff like that, Yeah, and kind of stacked on top of each other, and then, you know, I, I crumpled up paper and then kind of reopened it so it had that rocky, you know, mountain oh, yeah. look. yeah. Spray paint it, you know. That's great. Duct tape it together. There you go. It was very... Same
1: project for you and your kids.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. We're going to make it.
1: Yeah. I like That's
0: it. That's so cool. So I didn't realize uh, uh, you were working on King of the Hill. So was that the writer's yeah. room
3: that were... <laughs> so, so that was earlier in my career when I was a, a, a character layout artist. Oh. Um, which is sort of a fancy word for key animator, in, for, for lack of a better way to describe it. So... Um, I would look at storyboards that were done by someone else and then kind of redraw the boards a little bigger, a little more on model um, and posed out. So if, for example, you know, if I, if you're doing a layout of, of Hank Hill drinking his beer, this would be pose one, this would be pose two and then pose three and then in in that particular model, you'd send these drawings overseas. We were working with a studio in Korea at the time, and they would do all of the, um, yeah. the tedious in in-between. betweens. Oh my so god! So it was kind of fun in that we only had to worry about the the important drawings, and then someone else did the kind of tedious filling stuff. Filling
0: it in, yeah.
1: yeah How long was, does all of this take? It seems like it, that's a, a very long common
3: time. question. Like it takes approximately nine months from like the moment you break the story in the writer's room to when you deliver the finished episode. Um, and so then, as I mentioned... For one episode. Yeah, so uh, all these episodes are stepped. So, like, when you're starting episode 13, mm. you're finishing episode one, and, and that's how a show gets delivered. But now with um, kind of Netflix model where they're doing drops, they call them, where it's just all, all the episodes come out at once, it still takes the same amount of time, but you just... You sit on the episode... Yeah until all 13 of them are done, are done or whatever.
0: Do you ever then, because you have the freedom to do so, do you ever be like, all right, we finished episode 13. What we did in episode one doesn't really work anymore.
3: Yeah. It, oh, yeah. And
0: that make the process longer then? So
3: it's a little tricky i I fantasized that that was the case, like we could actually go back in episode one and plant stuff that pays in episode eight and all yeah. that. but um what I learned is that you still have a certain cutoff point where you have to turn these episodes in, especially with Netflix, for example, because they need to start um translating and and dubbing these episodes oh, I see. well in advance so that it's ready for these this multiple you know country launch, mm-hmm. so you can't. Theoretically, reopen the the books and and like stick something in there. There's a, there's a there's a hard cut off date. Okay,
0: that makes sense. That's similar to uh, the way magic cards and, and everything like that are, are done, where like they have to have many many years in advance completed so that they can do all the yeah.
1: the uh, yeah so they all release and, in many languages at and, the same time. Yeah,
3: and magic you know breaks my brain in terms of like just balancing the gameplay. I, like to me, that's Sorcery. I'm like, how? How <laughs> do you know? Like, this card is, you know,
1: they are powerful,
3: but not so powerful that it destroys everything. You know, like, I, 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 don't understand that. I mean, I've, I've worked at my share of game companies, and like, the guys who sort of do the uh, um, game design, like. The way their brain works is just completely different it's, than I'm used to. It's definitely you've, true. You've
0: talked to a lot more of them than I have. Yeah,
1: I've gotten to, to sit in on lots of of meetings when we're concepting new games with game designers, and I just sit quietly and listen because it's fascinating. Isn't it? I mean, th- they think about things in a completely different way. Yes. And just things I would never <laughs> ever think about.
3: It's very sort of beautiful mind. It almost. is like, like it, you
1: can see like the formulas above. Their yes. Heads.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I totally respect you know. It, uh, what they do, but it's, it, it's almost hard for me to follow. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think there were assumptions in Dungeons and Dragons that as a player you had to have that kind of formulaic yeah. brain, and I think that's why when you were mentioning Gygax and how he laid it out, like I think that's he just thought of it in that way, and of course it makes sense to him, but when you try to put it into a rule book for other people to grok and then do at their own table. It falls apart a little bit because it's not you're not in his head, and I think over time all of the editions have gotten better at better at at making it more palatable for the lay person in a way.
3: I I love that they they did that. I love tracking how that happens, and even you know especially with the latest edition where they kind of crowdsourced, like feedback. Yes, was was incredible too because I I don't know I I just think that's really fascinating that. People can say, "Hey, man, it's kind of annoying that I always have to go to the rule book when I want to do a thing. Can we just simplify this?" And, and you know, the fact that they incorporated all that, like, I do. You know, Wizards isn't paying me to say this, but <laughs> but I, you know, I do think the fifth edition is like the best version of the game so far. I mean, and it's because of you know user feedback and yeah. Listening,
0: yeah, the uh, the designers here, and and you hopefully get a chance to talk to them too. But they really think about it like a like a like stewards. Like they are they're making sure that the game is understood and played by as many people as possible. Uh, but it is not some kind of ivory tower where like we know what the game is. It's like no, it's everybody's game, and every everybody's um, contributions to it or how they improvise off of things is valid. And it's yeah. such a great. Sigh of relief to to come into a place like this and feel that and be like, oh yeah, no, it's my game too, and and we have vo- a voice here. Yeah, um, absolutely. So have you been playing a lot of Fifth Edition?
3: Yeah, I mean the current campaign that I'm playing is Fifth Edition. It, it's forgive me, i forgot the, the title of it, but it's one of one of the existing you know uh, what's happening. It, it's a uh, something under dark. So oh. we're, we're all prisoners in this drought. That's yes, prison.
0: Yeah, that was the Rage of Demons campaign. Oh with, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Out of the Abyss was the, yes, the title. Yes, I think,
3: I think that's the one. Yeah. And Good so we all started first first level. I'm now a third level monk. And I'm uh, also kind of an alternate r- character race that's like a skeleton kind of guy. So it's oh. it's fun. I think it might be a homebrew thing. Nice. But the skeleton can collapse into a pile of bones oh, you nice. know, at will. So I've been having fun with like... Oh, nothing, just a pile of bones, uh. and I pop up and start, you know, kung fuing them. Oh, <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Oh, that's good. You're like a mimic,
3: kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little possibly overpowered, you know, little trick I have. But, you know, to be fair, it hasn't gotten me out of every bind, so I, I still feel very challenged that's and cool. having fun with it. That sounds fun.
0: I really like that idea of, of, a, of a pile of bones and yeah. then... Bam! Here I am. (laughs) Yes. Boom. And that's what they do. That's what skeletons are known for doing uh, as adversaries. So
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Even sort of video gamey kind of trope. You know, the pile of bones that that pops up and attacks you. So
0: (laughs) that's super fun. That is my favorite um, uh, adventure. Most because it was the first one that came when I first started working here. Uh, But I just love that idea of being uh, that you're in this underdark. You're in this amazing other world that feels so strange, almost Alice in Wonderland like. But that you just need to get out. Yeah, there's no, there's no big, I mean, there's obviously lots of things that are happening that are terrible that you should stop. But the real adventure is just survive and get out of the Underdark.
3: Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is where we last left off, we escaped, but we're sort of like running through dark tunnels and we're not exactly sure where we're headed next. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm going to find this out Oh. In a week or so.
1: <laughs> Don't spoil anything. Yeah, they yeah. all
0: die at the end. No. <laughs>
3: also, there's, there's a wedding.
0: There. there is a wedding. That's very wedding. important. <laughs> That's my know. favorite part. Shelly really liked that what part. What color is the wedding?
1: Green? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a mushroomy. Color? <laughs> <laughs> I always love the art from that book, too. Yeah. It's very cool. It is very I cool. I want to go back and play that.
0: I know, right? Because so there's so y- many fun things.
1: So you go from being a, a DM to a player. Or are you mostly one or the other?
3: It feels like I did the majority of my playing as a DM, but then um, lately, and I sort of blame just the busyness of work. It's easier for me to be a player. Yeah, definitely. Only because, like, I love the idea of coming up with campaigns and stuff, but I just don't have, like, fuel in the tank at the end of the the night to do it anymore. I did do a one-off once recently, and that was really fun. Uh, It was literally just designed it so that look, guys, it's only going to be about one night of play. Let's not worry about leveling up or anything like that. It's just We just want to play. And um, that, that worked out well because it took me like a couple weeks to sort of figure it all out, and then we all played it and then moved on with our lives. And, and so it was a, another good way to scratch the itch.
0: That is cool. Yeah, yeah. we did that a couple times uh, a couple weeks ago. Actually, probably a couple months ago at this point now uh, with some new players where you were just like, let's just get together get the yeah. idea of this game out there uh, i took a lot of the things that you were saying earlier about like not wanting to be too rules heavy and just be like what do you want to do yeah. and it yeah, was you really were good freeing at drawing that out for um, new players but i also have the same feeling of like I, I i don't have the hours it takes to craft a homebrew world or a campaign yeah. even though the desire is still there for me like i still want to create the maps and, and yes. do everything like that but i'm just like you were i'm like i just want to skim this adventure and run it kind of improv as much as possible as a DM, so that uh, we, we just get, otherwise, we won't play because yeah. I'll, I'll just be too caught up in the prep. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I'm, don't get me wrong, though, I daydream adventures all the time. Yes. I'm like, oh, that would make a really cool idea. Write it I down. should get around to that someday. One day. <laughs> you have to that go on a, D&D a sabbatical or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: you were talking uh, earlier about the when, about how all of like, the Netflix episodes all drop at the same time and how. The you they're meant to be binged. So, is the writing process different when you're like, writing for King of the Hill versus <laughs> something for Netflix? Yeah, because you know people are just going to sit down and
3: keep watching them. It feels like the the golden rule now is totally end on a cliffhanger. Before it used to be somewhat discouraged um, mm. when it w- was
1: discouraged from because people had to wait a week to find out what yeah,
3: happened. I mean, I always kind of thought that was suspect. Data, if I'm speaking from the heart, The, the it was, you know, you, you didn't want to end an episode of, say, Avatar on a cliffhanger because maybe it would be frustrating for the viewer or something yeah. that they had to wait a week. But to me, cliffhangers are, you know, that's a, that's a, a powerful storytelling, yeah. you know, tool, you know, don't don't uh take that away from us but now it seems more like with streaming it's totally encouraged to um to end on a cliffhanger because they want you to like i guess I'll watch one more right. you know <laughs> over and over again
0: yeah or it starts – that's the, the always thing they do is they leave on something and you're like, what? I can't believe that happened. And then <laughs> you're, all of a sudden you're in the next episode. Yep. And yeah. you don't even want – I, I never make the conscious choice to be like, I'm going to watch another episode. It just starts and I'm like, well, I guess I have to not make the choice <laughs> yes. to turn it yes, off. Yes, exactly. It's all very it you know, expertly
3: having- crafted where they're like, oh, was that the end of an episode, another one starting? Or is it just – a the continuous next. piece of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Does it
0: feel sometimes like you're making a 13-hour movie? Or a 13-part thir- you know, it, movie?
3: It's, it can feel that way at times. I mean, um, I think that we're often pretty conscious of, like, the goal is to make every episode sort of feel like a mini, you know, beginning, middle, end. Um, so that if you do want to only watch one, there's a, a sense of accomplishment and, and completion. But, you know... I, I think also, I'm a, I'm a huge anime fan, and I think that a lot of the way anime is structured, they're less conscious of, like, you know, wrapping everything up in a tidy bow, and it, and it still w- often works really well. So I'm, I'm actually kind of curious if I can not do that as much on future projects.
1: Not um, wrap things up? Yeah, just tidy. sort
3: of leave it. You know, uh, even think of, like, Mad Men or oh, yeah. Breaking Bad and, you know, Better Call Saul. The Sopranos. They're not quite... So
1: angry about that.
3: Yeah, not everything quite ends in a tidy bow at the end of every episode. Everything's kind of still just progressing and mm-hmm. teasing some things, resolving a few things, but everything, you know, s- feels very continuous. You're,
0: you're right, because there are a few encapsulated episodes in those series that you mentioned you're like, oh, I remember that one. But you don't really think of it very episodically you almost think about it as seasons or that whole show is such a great story. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I think also sometimes we get you know, oftentimes animation is perceived as kids entertainment. Yeah. Um in fact, for the most part it is. I think that a lot of people in the industry would debate that. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but I I also recognize that um the money is <laughs> is in making kids entertainment. Yeah. Um but sometimes That can be the crutchy excuse, which is like, well, will kids feel satisfied or will they feel frustrated? Well, yeah. I I don't know. You know, I think that's.
1: That was going to be a question because I'm interested in my in my dungeon mastering foray. When I do (laughs) dip my toe in again, I really want to DM for kids. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, if with your experience and are telling stories for kids, do you have to, to structure things in a different way? than you do for telling stories for adults.
3: That's interesting. I mean, to me, the biggest difference between... So if we're talking about storytelling, there's... I try to approach it as though... This is sort of my secret sauce. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is I just approach it as though I'm telling someone my age or or maybe telling a story I would want to hear. And then you sort of do a pass where it's like, well, don't do the gratuitous violence or, you know... um, Sometimes also I'm a little more ethically conscious, which is like, uh, you know, for example, a character like Walter White in Breaking Bad is, you know, the lovable, you know, (laughs) heroine dealer, (laughs) you know, know, or or meth, you know, uh, you know, guy or chemist or whatever you want to call it. Um, Maybe you don't want to do that in a kid's show, but but, um, I still think that they can... Part of the the secret to me is that kids are a lot smarter than you think. They always... We're always kind of like, man, you know, my niece, you know, she she was so... Did you see the way she was, like, talking? She's so smart for her age. But then I realized, like, everyone says that about the kids in their life. Maybe our kids just generally way smarter than we assume. And that's usually been how we talk about it when we're making these shows is is I think that they get a lot more than we give them credit for, yeah. a lot more. And
0: they will also, I mean, I've noticed this with my children who watch uh, Disney shows kind of on repeat, almost to my chagrin, uh, especially when they're, <laughs> yeah. they're very uh, high-pitched in their uh. <laughs> exclamations uh, on the show. And I'm like, can we just turn it down? I just I can't hear it. But they watch them over and over again. So, And I remember doing that when I was a kid because they wanted to get that feeling of of, of Complete understanding,
3: and, right. I think, and
0: I think they only really achieve that or or and or, or, or that level of comfortability when they've seen the same episode four or five times, and that's something that I don't think a lot of adults realize because we will watch something once and be like, hey, I saw it, that's it, yeah, you know. And I often, I mean, sometimes I'll rewatch shows, and be like, why are you watching Breaking Bad again? I'm like, because it's awesome, yeah, right. right. And you and, I, and there's stuff, i you know, all the things you get out of it again, but adults just don't do that on on a on a, on a level. So I think a kid. You almost have to craft things just as well as you would for an adult because they are putting it under such scrutiny
3: that you wouldn't even realize. That's interesting. I, ha- I hadn't even thought of that, but that's. But I remember. I remember doing that as a kid, and I always just kind of chalked up not rewatching stuff to just time, where it's like, yeah, why rewatch that show when I could watch the the new this show? Um, but I, I remember that, like. Especially, the, I grew up at a time of book and record sets. Yes. <laughs> you right. know? And you, you'd listen to that over Beep. and over again to the point you re, like re, memorize oh, the lines yeah. and yeah. quote it to, to my brother you know, when we're playing. Did so you have
0: it. the LPs of the I, Disney movie LPs that would have <laughs> yeah. the Robin Hood? And there's the one I had that I loved that it was, yeah, right. It had most of the songs on it, but they also had yeah. scenes in it. Yeah. And I remember memorizing those. You're right. There's a Star Wars one too. Yeah.
3: I, I also had Pete's Dragon, oh, <laughs>
0: which was a dragon. I still make that sound. Yeah. I remember, I remember <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that dragon. Um, but yeah, no, they they they, they need to uh, feel comfortable and so they just rewatch things. I mean I did that with movies too, where I saw, you know, Star Wars hundreds of times, if not thousands. You know, and you just get it. And uh, I think that's really smart that you, with the way you're approaching it, being like it is it's not kids entertainment, it's just entertainment yeah. that happens to be marketed to kids.
3: Yeah. There's also kind of a interesting, like, teen to college age fan that is heavily online. So mm. they make GIFs of the shows that we work on or they write, like, little dissertations about, you know, a storyline or fan fiction and, you know, um, which is really fun to see. Oh, too. yeah. They're also very vocal if you get something wrong. So <laughs> it's kind of good that they, you know, keep you in check, um, you know, if we ever, you know, do – particular group of people wrong, you know, by maybe telling a story in a, in a negligent way or something like that, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to, to have people, you know, uh. Call Hold us own. accountable. Yeah. <laughs> no, Maybe just, just do it nicely. I, I really don't mind it. Just do it nicely. Right, <laughs> right. There's a, a right You wing. could have approached that a little more <laughs> sensitively. <laughs> it's almost as if there's a
0: golden rule about that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes
3: a lot of Imagine sense. Imagine that.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree, and I think uh, I mean, I'm sure you have tried to use it in, in the fandoms that you're uh, attached to or using shows where you're almost like, I don't, what is, is it a B-wing? I don't know. Maybe I'll just go ask randomly, not by your <laughs> oh, own person, yeah. but like another person to be like, because there's there's so much lore about Star Wars especially and yeah. Avatar that you just they know more about it, it more intimately sometimes than you know the people who are writers as well. I know
3: there's a like I did a they had like a little Avatar 15th anniversary panel at Nickelodeon um a couple weekends ago and and I just happened to work there right now so it was very convenient for me to to be a guest on the panel. And some of the questions they were asking I I I found myself like forgetting the names of characters. Obviously none of the main ones, but some of the like secondary ones. I was like, "What was that guy's name again?" Remember Remember that episode I directed? <laughs> 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 and it's unfortunately this thing that happens with time, like, you know, there was a, there was a window of time where I you could have said like, "What happens in episode 304 of Avatar?" and I'd be like, "Oh, that's the one where they go to the town and blah blah blah." But um Oh sure. What happens is then you move on to Clone Wars and they name they number the episodes the same way. So oh. episode three hundred four of Avatar and episode three hundred four of Clone Wars gets mixed up with episode three hundred four of Dragon Prince, and suddenly I'm like, I don't remember. You got to help me here. Well, there's
0: also the the uh, I'm sure you were not sleeping very well during some of those <laughs> production times, and yes. you're very stressed and busy, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, my long term memory actually wasn't being written. Very well uh, during this portion <laughs> of time. So it's true you There's got it all in short term, but then it never really made it to the to the vault.
3: It's a bit like graduating, you know, a college cl- course, and then you sort of dump all, all of, of the it. knowledge. You only yeah. keep the things that really resonated with you. So I really want to know about the Dragon Prince. I, What's you yeah. Too.
0: You brought
1: that up. Yeah,
3: I should mention Dragon Prince because I think that show, more than anything I've worked on, just feels the most D&D-ish kind of in nature. Um, You know, the the, the broad strokes of it is that there's a war between humans and elves. So in this world, those are kind of the two main races, I guess. And um, ongoing dilemma and... The dragons happen to be on the elves' side, Uh um, as is magic. So humans are... This is
1: not a fair fight. Yeah, very kind of, (laughs) you know, uh,
3: not, yeah, not a fair fight. Um, But there's chance for peace in that um, the humans discover this dragon egg that um, if delivered to the queen of the dragons could be a symbol of a gesture of peace and like sort of an olive branch kind of thing. Um so it follows these three kids, two of which are human, one is an elven assassin, which I love that we got an elven assassin in a that's kid's show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is really great. And um go on this adventure to deliver the egg to the uh dragon queen and hopefully end the war. And that's on Netflix. Um it's it feels very DD-ish. I mean, I'm I confess that if there's ever a person in the room that's like, isn't this like you know that D and D spell when it, that's me. I'm, I'm I'm often that person. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't feel too derivative, and I don't think that it is. You know, it's definitely its own well, set of rules.
0: And D and D itself is derivative of so many other pieces of fantasy of as well. And, so and all that stuff, right? So it's all part of the the you know the culture at this point. So yeah, yeah. Um, but that's really fascinating because that's what, that's exactly the same language that I think I would bring to it. I'd be like, oh, this feels like a wish spell, or uh, you know, a mage <laughs> yeah. hand, or or something like that.
3: Yeah, occasionally, like, we'll actually use that that terminology, and you know, sometimes people know what I mean. It sort of depends on who's in the room. But like, oh, this is totally, you know. Whatever.
0: <laughs> What's been the person that you've... Uh, and it's okay if you don't have an answer to this, but someone like an executive or something like that that actually whipped out some some D&D knowledge that you were like,
3: oh, wow, all right, we do speak oh, the same language. Oh, <laughs> my God. So I have a great story about that. I, this this was part of my, my D&D interview. <laughs> I didn't expect this to happen. So first of all, I wanted to say I, I listened to um, a previous episode. I think it was the one with uh, um, Jorge Gutierrez. Oh, okay. yeah. And you, I believe you had mentioned that sometimes... Uh, rule policing gets, uh, you know, you, you don't want to be that person that, that knows the, the rules yes. um, frontwards and backwards. I'm definitely not that person. But there's one of those moments when I happen to know the right info at the right time. I was interviewing for a job at Riot Games, and Riot has this very elaborate interviewing process where they bring you in, like, all day, and you meet with a different person every hour, and it's usually heads of departments and stuff like that. So the person that I was meeting with, um, I think that part of what – I kind of want to say your name, but I also don't want this to be perceived the wrong way. Um, Very intelligent, accomplished game designer. And I think she was just trying to feel out like when you say you like games and D&D, like how how specifically do you mean that? So (laughs) she's like, let's talk about D&D. What level spell – is Fireball. Wow! And that's, you know, intimidating question, but it was a little bit like this, you know, I, I, I can only think of, like, Larry David and, and Leon, <laughs> right. you know, in the... <laughs> <laughs> you know how they kind of do that, like, yep. size each other up thing? So I was like, are we talking first edition? <laughs> Second? Third? 3.5? And she, uh, she was like, good question. Let's say first edition. So wow. then I'm like, well do you mean the level of the spell or the level you have to be to cast it? Whoa. <laughs> and nice. I forgot, I think that she might have said um, the level of, that you have to be to cast it.
0: Oh, that's more difficult.
3: And so I was like, level five or something. And, and she was like, wrong, it's level six. <gasps> and, and it was this weird thing where, I don't know why, but I was like, I, I, think, I think it's level five. And the reason why is that, you know, young John Carlo at one point... Chose to be a magic user, <laughs> and I was like, What level do you have to be where you can finally cast um, oh. uh, fireballs? Because yeah. fireball is like the you know, one of the powerful fantasies of being a magic yeah. user. I want to blow up, and um, she like had to google it and she was like, You're right, oh, <laughs> yeah, somehow like passive flying colors, and you know. To their credit, I don't know that, that would have, you know, made or break the, uh, my chances of getting the job, but it was fun. that. Did you get it was, the I, job? I loved, I did. I, I loved that, like, somehow D&D came up in a job Me interview. Me
1: too. I don't even think we would ask that question in our interview. <laughs> I know, yeah. it's way
3: too, I don't encourage that that type of, like, you know, unless you really fixate on on, you know, numbers and stuff like that, you know, have fun, but well, it's not the best way to, like, get people into the game to, like... Quiz you.
1: Quiz right. you. Yeah, yeah, I I would not be able to have my job here if I was quizzed <laughs> like that. What <laughs> level is the wish leave. spell?
3: <laughs> Shelly...
0: The- Yes, exactly. No, I mean, and there, there's, there's, I think there's a way to get the philosophy and the, um, you know, demeanor from that spell. Like that question, you like you're not actually asking the information and whether they answered it correctly. It's a little bit like how do they deal with it, right? And I think yeah. you passed because you asked yeah. follow up questions and we're like, let let me get to the the heart of what you're asking before providing what you. Th- we're pretty sure it was what it was. And
3: I'll give her credit. I think that's what she was looking for, too. She just wanted to see the passion behind how I answered it. It yeah. was right. less about if I got it right or not.
0: That's, what I, I, that's <laughs> how I would do it. But next interview, I think I'm going to ask that. I
3: like
0: it. <laughs> just for fun and see what, see it's what really happens. It's really terrible. I mean, yeah, and then my, my HR person is going to be like, get him get out of here. Yeah,
3: because I don't think I would do... <laughs> I, I, even right now, I'm not sure that I got it right. I'm, I'm like, wait, wait, did I confuse the numbers? So, well, I, I'm I, sure someone will let me know. Have when, you question, when you asked that question, I was fair. like, oh, third level, easy. And then I was like, but wait, that is the harder question. Is like, when what
0: level can you cast it? And that's where I had doubt. That's where I was like, know oh, yes. if it's fifth or sixth, it's like <laughs> around there.
3: Somebody when you get it.
0: third level spells? And it's, that has changed more from addition to addition than anything else. Is yeah, like when you get the certain of, level of spells.
3: It is arguably one of the more confusing things. Like you would think that you get third level spells when you're third level. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, a lot of video games have kind of streamlined that. Like, yeah. these are the spells or the abilities that unlock when you become level X. Right. Um, but, you know, I get yeah.
0: it. You have unlocked uh, so <laughs> much in- knowledge uh, from playing D&D and bringing that to uh, all the entertainment properties you work on, man. I feel like there's so much uh, that you're doing and have done uh, that thank you for, for making it all happen.
3: Oh, I mean, my pleasure. Like, I'm, I'm really just sort of, chasing my passion and um it, i think one of the f- super fun things about being here today is that like i grew up in tacoma not far from here playing D and then i moved to la and have this career in animation and it all leads back to, yep. uh, to washington back to talk about dnd um that's pretty and i just love that it's you know been there my whole life we love that, too.
0: Just on the other side of I-5. <laughs> yep.
3: Yes. Uh, <laughs> randomly, my dad grew up in Renton. So oh, really? That is, weird. Like, just another weird, you know, tidbit. Connection. Who would have known? <laughs> um, were-
0: so did, uh, uh, I want to say, I'm getting his name, Rain Wilson grew up in the Pacific Northwest oh, yeah, around yeah. the time that you were here, I think.
1: In this Part of
0: it, yeah. I love the. He idea. He went to Norwest Con. Remember when we talked to him? He was <laughs> like, "I think I won a D and D contest at Norwest <laughs> Con in 1981.
3: D and D contest. Yeah, it was like
0: how well designed his character was, or how oh, he did that's Drawn. amazing. His that's so good. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> what
1: do you? So, I mean, you're obviously a creative person in a creative field. Do you think that D and D attracted you because you were, as the child, you were already that creative person, or do you think that D and D kind of made you want to be that creative person
3: probably more the former i mean it's just one of those things where you know i remember going remember walden books yeah. yes <laughs> going to walden books at the at the tacoma mall and you know just as an artist just being attracted to book covers and the D section was always one of the most enticing because it just seemed like almost it didn't belong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this, like, arcane, <laughs> you know, section where you can um, read about dragons and magic spells and, and stuff like that? And- but and- not as a, in
0: a simulation way, being like, these are things that you can encounter, and how would you do it?
3: Yeah, and, and even that part, I remember at, at a point flipping through the book and being overwhelmed by just all of the text and being like, oh, this is what you have to get past to sort of enjoy this? I'm not sure... And then, you know, in time, checking it out at the library and stuff like that, um, just falling in love with it. And, like, even sometimes I would read just a section, like the the write-up on the fighter class or whatever, and have to close the book because I had to, like, sort of digest it uh-huh. and, like, just imagine what would that be like?
1: I'd love you know, that.
3: And, and draw, you know, my character. Well, this is another thing that I think is interesting, too, you know, because I play with so many animators, we all draw
0: in oh, some degree, great. I love playing. So with it's artists.
3: super common to draw. I don't. I think it's a left brain, right brain thing where I'm totally listening to the DM and the other players talk, but we're all drawing while it's happening. Oh, that's so and then cool. we occasionally like. Hey, look I it would it. love to see everybody's interpretation
1: of the same thing happening.
3: That's a thing. I mean, if you not you know, apologies for the shameless plug, but if you follow me on Twitter or, or Instagram. When I do play, I'll often be like, hey, look, my character got in this bind. Here's the silly situation. You know, it's usually kind of a, a sloppy iPad drawing, but it's fun to, you know, there seems to be a, a group of people that appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> oh for yeah. sure. I
0: mean, that's where you know D and D fan art and everything kind of comes from too. Is that that love, and that's why people love it when they're watching streaming shows. Is they would use it as their drawing time in order to have yes. that going on, and then they'll they'll sometimes make finished products, but sometimes they're just sketches of what's happening.
3: One of the sad things about my job is like there was there's a a point when I was doing more animation type work where it's just drawing for eight plus hours a day, mm-hmm. so I could have a podcast, or back then, you know, it'd be an audiobook or something like that, Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, playing in the background. Um, but when I'm reviewing an episode or writing or, you know, anything that kind of involves... Text base. Text base, I can't yeah. do that multitask, so... Me too. Uh, you know, it's more of a drive-to-work sort of thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> For sure. So, you were already plugging, but you're, uh, what is your Twitter and Instagram so people can start uh, <laughs> You know start it's finding, uh, I don't know.
3: I believe it's... I have it oh here. Have it it here. It's, it's John Carlo underscore yep. Volpe at... You know, at Twitter and Instagram, is it the same? It is the it same. Yeah. It is same. Okay. I sh- you'd you think I would asked. know this,
0: right? So G A G, I did it wrong already.
3: G <laughs> I A N. That's the that's the hardest part is learning to spell my name. <laughs> Even I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's as though you're spelling the word giant. That's usually oh, what I say. That's good, that's John good Carlo, one word underscore, and then Volpe V O L P E. <laughs> awesome. I
0: want, I'm sure you're going to get some followers of people who want to see your D&D characters
2: now. Yep, yes,
3: please sure. do. I also post a lot of sort of animation, you know, entertainment-related stuff all the time. I'm always reposting some cool whatever, you know, show someone's working on or a friend's working on or something that I worked on. So if you like cartoons and D&D, who maybe doesn't? follow me. <laughs> Who does
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I, I will check out The Dragon Prince for sure. It's already out on Netflix, you said? Oh, yeah, please do. There's yeah. three do seasons, tonight. too, so
3: you can you can get pretty lost you know, I, if you I've if seen you a like
0: pop-up on my kids' thing, but I've always been like, oh, that's a, that's a, you know, put it on the list. That list is it's very long. I'll <laughs> warn you to how old
3: are your kids? Six and eight. So they, you can, it's maybe a touch darker than sort of the average thing, but it seems like, again, you know, um...
0: That's less of a warning we did at this point. Yeah.
3: yeah, we still make it um, kid friendly, but you know there's some some studios for example will shy away from the word kill hmm. or um, showing blood or something like that. We'll do that occasionally if we have to sort of raise the stakes, but I think it's still handled with care. So. Awesome.
1: Hypothetically, say your six-year-old was obsessed with Pennywise? Would he <laughs> like the show?
3: Maybe it's up his alley. <laughs> I there think are, he would. Um, I, I, that's another fascinating thing to me, too, is that, you know, I, you're not the first person that's told me that, that kids, like, something about Pennywise is what just... What is it? So terrifying. <laughs>
1: Our kids 50. played together, and they, they played Pennywise. That's like so They were funny. like, Pennywise is in the yeah. basement. Let's yeah. run.
0: While we were trying to play D&D, they were doing this. Yes. Lots, lots of screaming involved. Yes,
3: there was. I think that there's like a psychological thing where like kids kind of want to understand things that scare them. I agree. To, to take power away from the thing.
1: I was the same way. I yes. was scared of lots of things when I was little. I somehow like walked into a when room. When you were little? And now. <laughs> My whole life, <laughs> I walked into a room and I saw this really scary black and white movie, and I, I, it was like a humanoid giant bee, and I was like, Oh, I'm dead! Like I, yeah, I shouldn't have seen that. Yeah, and so in my head, I turned Bee Monster into my <laughs> friend, and I've decided, like, oh, I have oh, yeah. my friend Bee Monster, and it looked like that guy, and then I had Red Monster and Monster with the glasses, and they were all <laughs> things I was afraid of, but they were actually my yes. friends. So I feel like the Pennywise thing might. Be similar. So is I ha-
0: this why you like Monster Madness so much? because yes. oh, yeah. you are making the monsters your friends. They're my friends, yeah. Yeah. and They're
1: that's why friends. I always like feel Boots like, but don't kill the dragon. <laughs>
3: Just give them a hug.
1: Yeah, my
3: my like sort of embarrassing, cute equivalent of that was when I was a kid. I was terrified of the band Kiss. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I could see <laughs> that, that. That was sort of the you know seventies, eighties Pennywise to me because I you know I'd <laughs> see their their album covers at the store and be like, what?
2: Why are they? Why is his tongue so long? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, they just terrified me. So I was convinced they lived in my garage for some reason. And so we oftentimes, fun. you know, my dad or something would send me to the garage to get like a can of, you know, soup or whatever, tomato sauce or something and I remember, like, being afraid to go in there because Kiss lived in my garage. Yes. So to counter it, I would <laughs> sing Popeye the Sailor Man because he's strong oh, to the finish when yes. he eats the spinach, and somehow that would intimidate them. Like, be careful. Well, yeah. If you're messing with yeah. Uh, thought you Popeye. Popeye Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might. <Yes>. That's adorable. <laughs> That's a good tactic. Uh,
0: I wonder if it has to do with the fact that it's, like, adults are turned off. I mean, at the time, Kiss and rock music was bad, just like D&D was, so like, yeah. there was, like, this. Thing and I think it was Pennywise probably too, where I'm like, oh, you can't watch that, and so they feel like it's it's like an adults only thing, but they also want to be adults,
1: but it's also like a safe way to like. You like wanna, Pennywise without actually having to interact. I feel like
0: with we need Pennywise. to do a whole another interview yeah. about about <laughs> horror and how it relates to yeah. kids and storytelling yeah. because it's really fascinating. Well, I
3: think parents, you know, are protective. You want to preserve your kids' innocence yeah. as long as you possibly can. But then kids are a little more. I think this is sort of the the battle of of uh, you know approaches. Kids want to prove they're strong, and they can be. A, a capable adult and or a capable big boy or big girl. So they want to prove that they're not afraid of the roller coaster and they're not afraid of the Pennywise clown and stuff like that. And so you, you do sort of want to like encourage them to, you know, maybe perform that dance in front of a group of people, even though they're a little scared and, just like D and D, I mean that <laughs> yeah, is it to yes. a certain extent. You want to have a little
0: bit of of, uh, of trepidation about the monsters that you're encountering, yeah. but then overcome that.
3: Yes,
1: and that's great for kids love to that learn. Element. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I hope you're you're okay with this, but I think Uh-oh. that my when I DM when I'm going to do it for kids, I kind of love the whole premise of the Dragon Prince.
3: Can oh, I riff off
1: that? Get not cool only that?
3: can you do that, but if you uh, Sometimes it's hard to find old tweets but I so at some point I wrote up um character sheets for like the front oh, eight characters of geez. Dragon Prince That's so there. it was just a silly thing I did for fun and it got a number of retweets you know um you might it, have to
1: unearth I'm, that again. I'm assuming
3: it, it lives somewhere yeah so you can
1: I will you can look play as that. the main
3: characters. <laughs>
1: yes, perfect. I love that that's whole story awesome. idea because I would, I didn't want them to do something where they're gonna kill have something. to like kill things. Yeah, because knowing the the kids I want to play with, I don't think they would be cool with that. But oh, okay, to, to, be, to be able to like be heroic in a, this way of like sent, bringing so like, take the thing, so take that's the thing make peace happen. There's still going to be scary right. challenges that happen along the way. So I'm
3: curious then, how do you resolve you know a monster encounter? Is it is it is it
1: they might make the, it run away,
3: scare them off. Yeah. Do they ever sneak past them, or
1: they can? They, I think so. I would give them That's the opportunity to do that, but I just think that there's a couple of girls and just picturing them like picking up a sword and like <laughs> ramming it into <laughs> a monster. <laughs> right. I just feel like they would be like, "That's not
0: cool." They'll not, surprise you. They will totally. I'm do that. I'm not talking about Fiona. Yes. No, Fiona. Fiona will do that. Quinn will do that. Yeah, will will do like, that. Will My son would do that. Take but. you down. Um, this has all been super awesome. I feel like we could talk for like another like three hours. Uh,
3: yeah, so know. let's just we keep it going. We're gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. so you, you guys you got, got
0: anything to do? Uh. You didn't
1: want to see your family tonight, right?
0: <laughs> right, nope. <laughs> we got you locked in here. This is the dungeon. Thank you so much for coming by, Thank John Carlos. Thank you Carlo. so much this for having me. This has been an awesome thing. We're gonna, I mean, this, you, you, you have inspired Shelly so much. I think that's I the first time that you said when, I, I really when you DM, not if Ooh, you DM. Did I that? You did. You said when I DM, I'm gonna do this. So it's done. I, I love it. it. Yeah, you're Locked in now. I really good influence. Th- th- the wheels were turning, <laughs> excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, and uh, uh, uh have a great time here. And, and I can't wait to see all the things you're creating in the future. Me too, I appreciate it. Thank you so Come much. Come back
1: anytime.
3: Awesome. I would love to.
0: <laughs> what an off the wall interview that was! What? we know so much more about uh, Mr. Giancarlo Volpe's creative. Juices, and I'm really excited to learn more. Uh, very, very amazing I'm and interesting. I'm going watch image. all those things, and you Prolific. out there who are listening, who are get, try, wondering if you want to get into storytelling or animation, you can't have a better hobby than playing Dungeons & Dragons, right? Agree. It's like a training ground. Get those creative juices flowing. Do it. The only way you can. That is the only way. By reading uh, the... Eberron, Rising from the Last War, Gold Edition from Beul well, that'll do it. That'll sure. do it. That'll get you inspired. Yes. As well as playing Dungeon Mayhem totally. uh, as a child. Yes. Reading the Young Adventurers guys. Yes. Get those
1: kids going. Get those kids into D&D. Yeah. We need a creative future.
0: They uh, will be excited to read and write and create. Yes. And, and they I will. Want and they'll
1: to just be good good people.
0: Corporate. Yeah, good citizens of the world.
1: Yes. They'll have empathy. Yeah. They'll Have some good social skills.
0: They'll be able to um, uh, attack the darkness.
1: They'll be able to work together as a team.
0: Right. All those things. Um, So, fantastic. You can pick up anything regarding what we've been talking about at your local game store right now.
1: Yes, you can. Go to
0: it. There's tons of them all over the world. If you want to order uh, things to your small abode in British Columbia, you can also do that.
1: Do it. Just to That's order stopping, some of the fun yeah.
0: things. Dungeon Mayhem is out now. Monster Madness. It's a great box to hold all of your mayhem
1: Yes, in one place. All of them.
0: Uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, March 17th. Yes. And uh, we got more stuff that we're announcing very soon. Yeah. So we'll talk about that on a future podcast. Can't wait. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink to those of you uh, in the chat. And uh, listening to this now, you might already know what we're talking about, but we will uh, talk more about it in the future. All right. Shelly, how can people follow you and ask you all the questions before they go to Spotify to download uh, Dragon Talk and Dungeon Delve? How
1: about on Twitter at Shelly Moo?
0: Shelly Moo. Shelly Moo. I am at Greg Tito. Hit me up there, and then we, uh, oh, I'm also on Instagram at greg underscore Tito. Right. I shared lots of pictures of my trip to New York Saw them, I love them. Uh, uh, I have some more I just wanted to do that were just of the city itself, because uh, it is a beautiful city, and uh, I was reminded uh, of that.
1: I loved your, I felt cute. <laughs> I did. <laughs>
0: That's so cute. I, I, right, I was, it was, it
1: it was, was, it was really a good moment, and then you had the
0: city in the background. Yes. It was perfect. Yes, uh, That one was on Twitter, I believe, so oh. look at that picture well, there.
1: Follow you everywhere. Follow
0: me at all the places, and then, of course, find out all about Dungeons & Dragons everywhere you can. Um... At DungeonsandDragons.com, yeah. download Dragon Plus to your phone right now. New, new
1: issue coming soon. There's a
0: new issue that's coming very, very soon. If it's not out already, yeah, it uh, will be by the with time. With tons of previews, right. stuff about Monster Madness is in there. Yep. Is there anything about Ascot? There, in there? is betrayal
1: there, at Mystery Mansion.
0: There's great things yeah. in there. I'm just going to keep calling it by its codename Forever this and Ever. Is great. Uh, there will be stuff about other products that are coming out in there as well. Yes. Um, what else do we? Oh yeah, and if you want to look at that on the web, you can do that at DragonMag.com. Yes. Can. So, like and subscribe.
1: Yep. <laughs> Find this everywhere now.
0: Find this on uh, I mean, Spotify. Tell Spotify. your friends all about a Dragon Talk and how we weave in 80s references and music singing into each one of our conversations about Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Or not. Or don't. Or just surprise them.
0: <laughs> just be like, just listen. It's worthwhile. You'll love it. So, Shelly, yes. you have been in the woods for a long time.
1: Oh, Here we go. Yes. I'm in the jungle, I think.
0: You're in the jungle.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and there is someone in the back saying, Welcome to the jungle. Oh, hello, Axel uh, Kitty. And it's a, uh, it's, it, you look up and you see a, uh, a uh, halfling sitting on a branch, and she's got like a guitar oh, cool. and she's a bard hey. and she looks at you and she does sing welcome to the jungle <laughs> what do you do does she seem friendly uh, she seems like uh, she's got like a um, kind of a performer scowl on her face oh like, okay uh, I
1: throw like a copper piece into her guitar case and I go hey have you seen a cat that looks like me around here
0: uh, okay roll a uh, persuasion check oh. Uh, oh,
1: thanks. do it. Uh, I got a 10. You I got don't a know 10. If I any bonuses?
0: Uh, she looks at you and says, You'll have fun in games.
1: <laughs> oh, she's like one of those animatronics at Disney World.
0: <laughs> and actually, as you look at it, it she does start to, it, her movements do seem a little bit stilted.
1: So I pick up a rock and I throw it at her. I'm going to try to knock her out of the tree.
0: <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Ooh, I want to find out where this goes. Find out on the next Dragon Text. Like and subscribe on Spotify.